0: All right, welcome back another Wednesday. Jake and I are starting a little bit early because right before we were about to start the show, we started talking about Derrick Rose because Jake saw a rumor that said the New York Knicks are going to trade Derrick Rose before the season starts. Yeah. Now, we've seen it in tons and tons of Bucks groups. Um, people on Twitter saying the Bucks should trade for Derrick Rose. Now, the problem with this is, is that Derek Rose is scheduled to make like fourteen and a quarter million dollars this year. So every time I've seen this come up and people are like, Oh, we should trade for Derek Rose, we should trade for Derek Rose. Before you even get into Derek Rose the player, you have to consider Derek Rose the salary. Ultimately, what you have to trade is either Brooke Lopez or Grayson Allen and George Hill. And I'm sure that there's plenty of people out there that would be fine doing those trades. However, what happens when you do that is you are trading a starter at one position for a backup at another position. And then all you're doing is creating another need that you then have to go and make another trade for. Mm-hmm. So there's no point in the bucks doing it, especially when you consider the salaries. What's, what's up, Big Cheese? Um, when Then when you get into the fit, the only way that I really see it is to do um, what's up, Justin? The only way I really see to do it that makes sense is if Derek Rose were to get bought out. Or if say the the Trailblazers were to trade for him just to eat salary and then buy him out similar to what the Pistons did with Kemba Walker. Yeah. Um, so something like that. Or um, Who was also The like Rock Right. <laughs> or or the Rockets with John Wall with them buying him out like um, so that's the only way I see that Derrick Rose ends up on the bull bo- or on the Bucks. So I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Um, yeah, there's there's no way that we're
1: getting Derrick Rose. Um, I don't want to give up Brooke for him. I'll tell you that there's no trade in the world that I would involve Brooke Lopez for Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose doesn't add mm-hmm. any value on the defensive end, and he adds limited value on the offensive end. Yes, yeah. he can get cooking. He can get to the rim. He can create shots for for others at times. Uh, what up, Taylor? Uh, but he's just he's His name is bigger than his game. He's one of those players. That's how I feel about him. Yep. Now a guy I was thinking about, and he's super, super annoying unless he's on your team, and he's gonna get bought out is Patrick Beverly. Yeah, that I'm more
0: interested in that,
1: bro. Patrick Beverly and Drew Holiday just annoying the hell out of guards on the other dude. And then
0: you can throw Javon Carter in there too. Can you imagine a small ball lineup of Patrick Beverly, Javon Carter, Drew Holiday on the floor at the same time as? say Giannis and Brooke Lopez, like that's a defensive lineup that would be annoying as shit to go against.
1: And Carter and Holiday can hit their threes. Beverly is a, he's a sometime shooter.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, but his real value would really just imagine dealing with Beverly, a defense, right? And then the bucks come down and Giannis dunks on you. How pissed are you going to be? Dude. And
0: then you got to deal with Joe Ingles standing in the corner, talking shit to you.
1: Me- Dude, he talks hella trash. Man. <laughs> he
0: does. He really does.
1: I'm gonna love it. I'm gonna love all of it. All right. hey, Tim, I saw yesterday that Packers are still the betting favorite to sign Julio. I saw it. Tim, if the but if the Bucks, Jesus, if the Packers yeah. sign Julio, you have to come on the show. Because I have to see you celebrate.
0: In his jersey. You're only <laughs> allowed to come jersey. on the show. You have to be wearing a Julio jersey. <laughs> <laughs> The only way I see it happening is if Sammy Watkins gets cut, and then he essentially takes takes his place in the same exact
1: contract. Yeah, because we have so many wide receivers, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we are going to start with something we have discussed before and apparently needs to be discussed again because people on Twitter still don't understand. Giannis... Is already ahead of Kevin Garnett all time. It's really not even close. Like when you can like if you want to take a broad view of it and say, you know, there's this, this, and this, and say there's these four categories of whatever, Giannis is better in all of them. You have to niche super far down to find like the like this is what Kevin Garnett is better at, and this is what Kevin Garnett is better at out of these 20 fucking categories.
1: The only thing, okay, this is gonna be super super annoying. I have to nitpick. Obviously, Kevin Durant has a better or Kevin Durant. I'm so I've been hearing about Kevin Durant for so long. <laughs> Kevin Garnett is better at was that turnaround jumper from the post. I mean, obviously, that was, Yep, that was a very very good move for him. Yep. Um, other than that, and Giannis is still developing that. And remember, he's yep. only 27, and his is starting to look a lot better. Yeah. Um, so. Who's to say that uh he doesn't get that for the next, you know, in the next five years, who says he doesn't become dominant at that and just takes over the entire league and says F you to everybody else? Yep. Um This is just it's kind of sidetracked, but I have to ask. Did you see Skip Bayless' top five players? Yep. Oh my god. How do you have Durant over Giannis still? How? It doesn't make sense to me. But at um, least he gave him some respect his, for a second. His reasoning
0: was Three point shooting and free throw shooting, those are the only two things that he gave to back his point up.
1: Okay, so what about defense? Like, all of defense that's, like, that's the
0: first thing whole, that Shannon said.
1: All defense
0: that is like, skip skip said he he gave Shannon credit saying that Giannis is the better defender, but he's like, good, oh, Kevin, Kevin Durant's no slouch on defense. So,
1: okay, but Giannis, okay, here you have to t- you have to break it up into tiers, right. Is Durant going to be dominant in the pick and roll as a as a rolled man defender? No. no. Gian, Giannis can roll with a big man and block him. Okay. Giannis can also switch onto a guard and guard him. Right. He can block him or steal the ball from a guard. Kevin, Giannis can also bring the ball up on offense. I know, I know. But I'm talking about the total package. The only thing that Durant has, in my opinion, is shooting. Shooting. That is, that is it. It's the same thing with Garnett. Yep. The only thing that he has over him
0: but Giannis has not even, not even. So listen to this. The, the, the argument always comes back to, well, Kevin Durant had a better mid range or Kevin Garnett had a better mid range game. I don't care. If you look at their career, two point percentages, Kevin Durant's career, two point percentage is 50.4. Giannis is, is 58.2. I don't give a shit. If he's a better shooter from eight to 15 feet, I don't care. Yeah. It's worth the same if you're scoring on dunks and layups as it is from the Kevin Durant one-toe inside the three-point line. I don't give a shit if he's a better mid-range shooter. If you're inside the three-point line, those are all worth two points. I don't care if you can score it better from far away when they're worth the same amount of points. Tyler, the game's still going. It's uh, one-to-one. Trevor got um, held the the damage to one run, so they're tied going into the ninth. Um,
1: and the and the Brewers are about to get rowdy if you get what I'm saying.
0: Hey, hey. yeah, he's gonna <laughs> break that franchise record. Okay, so I basically took uh basically all of their stats, all of them, all of them.
1: All right, Taylor, hope you're listening.
0: <laughs> okay, here we go. So. Kevin Kevin Garnett averaged 34.5 minutes in his career. Giannis is averaging 32.6, so keep that in mind. Everything that Giannis is doing, he's also doing it in about two minutes less per game. I do also have their per 36 minutes stats, so I will do that as well. Field goal percentage, Kevin Garnett, 49.7, Giannis, 53.5. Free throw percentage, this one actually was a little bit closer than I thought it was. Kevin Garnett, 78.9. Giannis, 71.8. Only a 7% difference there. I was expecting higher. Um, 3-point percentage. Kevin Garnett, 27.5. Giannis, 28.8. Giannis literally has a better 3-point percentage than Kevin Garnett. Okay. 2-point percentage I covered already. uh, Garnett, 50.4. Giannis, 58.2. True shooting. Kevin Garnett, 5.46. 5.46. Giannis, 6.04. Points per game, Kevin Garnett, 17.8. Giannis, 21.8. Keep in mind, Kevin Garnett was the number one overall pick. Giannis averaged 6.8 points his first year and 12.6 points his second year. Assists per game, Kevin Garnett, 3.7. Giannis, 4.6. Rebounds per game, Kevin Garnett, 10.0. Giannis, 9.4. So we finally get to one area where Kevin Garnett has an advantage, and it's by this much. It won't be at the end of his career. It won't be. Because Giannis Um,
1: is going to average 12 to
0: 13 for the next (laughs) seven years. Right. (laughs) Um, Defensive player of the year. They each have one. MVP. Garnett has one. Giannis has two. He did that in the same year. Sorry. Only Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan have done that, besides Giannis.
1: Join that list,
0: Garnett,
1: fucker. Yeah. That's
0: already caused to move me ahead of him. Yeah. All NBA teams, Kevin Garnett played 20 years. Giannis is in his ninth going into his tenth. All NBA teams, Kevin Garnett, nine. Giannis already has six. Oh. Oh, that's so this, is, this is the one that Giannis is going to have some work to do to catch up. All defensive teams, Kevin Garnett has 12, Giannis is at 5.
1: Yeah, Garnett was a standout on defense, I will say that.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's that's fair. So, you get to, let's do, um, let's do this. Giannis, the only player to be all NBA team four consecutive times unanimously. Only one, ever. Literally nobody else has done it. Jordan hasn't. LeBron hasn't Harden hasn't they've all done it 3 times. Colby, only 3 times. Giannis is the only player to be unanimous first team 4 consecutive times. I'm going to assume that record is going to get to double digits. Um well it's unanimous. So I mean if somebody at some point comes along and plays like like slightly good enough for Giannis to get like 99 out of 100 votes or something like that but um but <laughs>
1: the only person that could do that is Davis. Is AD that is the only one at the power forward position that I see challenging him? Right. I mean, maybe Cat now that he's a power forward, but
0: yeah, that's fair. He's in he's my third team this year, so I mean, yeah. he's still got a little bit of work to do.
1: He's he's not on the level. I mean, AD obviously we know has that talent right. level, and Giannis is Giannis. You know, so <laughs> when you get called by by one name, you're you're the shit. <laughs> Sorry, Lamar um. PM, MJ. You get called by yeah. one. like
0: I mean, nobody name. wants to say Giannis's last name because they don't want to, like, tie their tongue in a knot. But
1: That's true. But think, think of, like, Chris Middleton. Like, Chris Middleton doesn't get called Chris. He gets called Chris Middleton. You know what I'm saying?
0: Or he just gets called Ooh. Middleton. Okay. Um, I got more. Not, not even close to done yet. Not even close to done yet. Right, Steals so- per game for their careers. Kevin Garnett, 1.3. Giannis, 1.2. Blocks per game. Kevin Garnett, 1.4. Giannis, 1.3. So these are super close. You can go to their per 36 minutes stats. So this is per 36 minutes for Kevin Garnett, 18.6 points, 10.5 rebounds, 3.9 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.5 blocks. Giannis' is per 36 minutes, 24.1 points, 10.4 rebounds, 5.1 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.4 blocks. So per 36 minutes, almost everything is the same, except for Giannis averages 1.2 more assists, and five and a half more points. That's a lot. For for Kevin Garnett to average point one more rebounds and point one more blocks. Now, playoffs per game. This one's this one gets a little ugly. Um <laughs> points. Playoff points per game. Kevin Garnett 18.2. Giannis 26.3. Oh. Rebounds. Kevin Garnett, 10.7. Giannis, 12.0. Assists. Kevin Garnett, 3.3. Giannis, 5.2. Steals. Kevin Garnett, 1.2. Giannis, 1.0. Blocks. Kevin Garnett, 1.3. Giannis, 1.4. They play almost identical minutes. Kevin Garnett played 36.9 minutes in the playoffs. Giannis played 36.4, so it's almost identical there. Player efficiency in the playoffs. Player efficiency rating. Kevin Garnett's 21.1. Giannis's 25.8. Assist percentage. This is, this is where you get a huge discrepancy here. Assist percentage. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to do turnover percentage first because it's almost identical. Turnover percentage for Kevin Garnett is 12.1%. It's uh-huh. 12.2% for Giannis. So, almost identical turnover percentages.
1: Giannis handles the ball more.
0: I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Kevin Garnett's assist percentage, 17.8. Giannis's, 27.1. Wow. So, a 10% advantage in assist percentage with almost the same percentage of turnovers.
1: That's with him almost averaging 10 more points, too. And almost two more assists
0: per game. Jesus. True shooting in the playoffs, Kevin Garnett, 525, Giannis, 577. Field goals, Kevin Garnett, 47.8, Giannis, 52.7. So the only thing so far that I have found that Kevin Garnett is better at is playoff free throw percentage. Kevin Garnett has a big advantage in playoff free throw percentage. That is the only stat where I've been able to find a big difference. Almost everything else is, like, negligible differences because you get to the per 100 possessions. Kevin Garnett's offensive rating is 110. His defensive rating is 99. Giannis' offensive rating is 116. His defensive rating is 104.
1: So Giannis is better.
0: So Giannis is plus 6 in offensive rating, minus 5 in defensive rating. So, I mean, by that metric too, Giannis is one point better. Per 100 possessions. So Giannis is better. Um, you can go to win shares per 48 minutes. Kevin Garnett, 0. .182. Giannis, 0. .197. You can go to box plus minus. Kevin Garnett, offense, 3.5. Defense, 2.1. Giannis, offense, 3.9. Defense, 2.1. So Giannis has a point four advantage in offensive box plus minus, and their defensive box plus minus is the same. I don't don't know where you go from here. And then add in the fact that Giannis has a finals MVP that Kevin Garnett does not. Giannis dropped a 50-piece in the finals. Kevin Garnett averaged, I think, like 10 points in the finals that they won. And Giannis was on one leg, dude. And that's true, too. (laughs) Plus, Plus the extra MVP to do the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. The only things that Kevin Garnett has on Giannis is he might be a smidge better rebounder. He might be a smidge better defender. Keep in mind that back in the early 2000s when Kevin Garnett was wreaking havoc on the league, there wasn't a lot of spread, sprawl ball played like there is now. That's where Steph Curry changed the game is by spreading the game out. Mm -hmm. Kevin Garnett didn't have to deal with that. Not much, at least. No, towards Um, the end of
1: his career, maybe.
0: Yeah, and at that point, it's just you're playing with old Kevin Garnett. You're not expecting him to do the things he did on defense the 10, 15 years before that. Exactly. So he might be a smidge better defender on paper, but when you look at what Giannis is doing, who Giannis is going against, things like that, I mean, you could just call that a wash. Same with the rebounding, like Jake said. Um, You know, all that stuff, that's just going to wash because Giannis is going to... eventually get to it and that's the thing that's the only other thing that Kevin Garnett has on Giannis is longevity like I said Kevin Garnett played 20 seasons Giannis Mm. is going into his 10th and he already has more hardware than Kevin Garnett Like I I really don't even see where the comparison is because like I said the only big advantage I could find for Kevin Garnett was playoff free throw percentage That was the only thing because Giannis hasn't shot well at the free throw line in the playoffs It's literally the only thing. And if you want to hold tight to your mid range life jacket, I don't give a shit because two points is two points. I don't care where they're scored from. <laughs> Isn't that pretty
1: sad though? Like, you know, Giannis is going to dunk and he still dunks. Exactly. Two, three people in the paint, don't matter. Left hand, right hand, don't matter. Coming off a spin, coming off a euro, it don't matter. Giannis is going to put the ball you in You could rim.
0: be face-to-face face with him, and yeah. he will still dunk on you. Ask Julius Randle.
1: And he'll let you know about it. He says it with
0: his chest. He don't give a shit. I I, I don't see where you can make a case for Kevin Garnett. I don't either. I, I don't see it anywhere. I mean, if you're if you're talking, I mean, what did I do? Like damn near thirty different statistics here, mm-hmm. and you're gonna hold on to two being better mid range and playoff free throw percentage, and Giannis is better in literally the other twenty eight metrics. And you're gonna try to tell me that Kevin Garnett is better than Giannis?
1: Tell I told you this morning, bro. It's just the nostalgia.
0: So what I told you. I really feel this way and it's a, you know, it's a true thing and it's something that is a normal human reaction is to not want to let go of the past because it forces you to confront your own mortality.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I, you know, that's a legit thing. I get it that, you know, you don't want to necessarily accept that you are getting older. You might not even feel this way when you're thinking about it, but it's, it's back in the back of your mind. It's a subconscious thing.
1: I agree. I mean, it'll be hard for me to say that somebody's better than Giannis when you know I'm an old, senile man, but I'm going to have to see some hardware, man. I'm going to have to see some heart because if we're measuring heart, there is definitely nobody over Giannis. I don't care what nobody says. Mm -hmm. Carnet had heart too, but if we're measuring off of that, I think Giannis is bigger, man. Look where he came from. I mean, they made a movie about the guy's life. That's how inspirational and crazy it was, man. And if you haven't seen it, you should. Is an
0: awesome movie. Very well done. All right. Now that I'm done putting Giannis over Kevin Garnett again, Uh we can get into the Bucks free agency moves and what they've done. Um, I think they're pretty much done. Um, So that's that's just my opinion is that they're pretty much done. Um, So we're looking at it. The Bucks retained Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, Javon Carter, uh, Wesley Matthews, and Serge Ibaka, which was a little surprising. Yeah, um, yeah it was a little surprising. Um, so they also signed Joe Ingles, and then they waived Rajon Tucker and Luca Vildoza. So out of all of those things, what do you want to talk about first?
1: well first of all uh our boys uh well West played good in the playoffs he's not one of our boys but shout out West I think you played I think for what his job is he played well he filled yep. his role he did his much, role yep much better than he did the first time around uh our boys Bobby Portis obviously who doesn't fucking love Bobby Portis hmm. how can you not yeah he's yeah, awesome man, seriously he, he, talk about heart talk about hustle talk about the big dog you know he he brings all of that um and then Pat Connaughton coming back, that's a good move. Uh, he's been one Larkin. of our best role
0: players since he's been oh, here, honestly.
1: 100%. He's a shooter. He's not afraid of the moment. And he's somebody that is very close to Giannis. So that was—that probably had you know some of it why he stayed here. I'm sure he'll get re-upped when we get the opportunity to re-up him. Right. Um, we're going to have to re-sign Middleton next year. Or during the season, one of the two. Maybe they're working on it right now. Who fucking knows? Could be. Yep. Um, but Middleton, I would definitely love that. Uh, that's a future conversation. Uh, I love bringing Javon Carter back. I'm a yep. big fan of Javon Carter. I think he's been great since we got him from Brooklyn. Um, may, you know he wasn't really performing there, but you know, looking from the outsider point of view, how toxic that situation was in Brooklyn. Who the hell can survive in that other than Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant's great. I'm not trying to talk shit about him, but he was he was really the only one flourishing in that. Kyrie had his moments, but he played, like, 13 games, it felt like, you know? Um, he played Javon 29 Carter, games last season. Yeah, yeah. Um, Javon Carter's been great. Serge Ibaka, man. Let's. Uh, it was shocking to me that we brought him back.
0: It made sense the more I thought about it. So look, I'll get your thoughts out, and then I'll, I'll weigh in.
1: Um, you know, I was just going to say it did make sense because we do need another backup other than Bobby. Mm-hmm. Um, he still has that experience. He could still change mm-hmm. shots. Um, he was a guy that just got here, so for people to be like freaking out, like, "Oh my God, why did we bring Ibaka back? You didn't even use him." Dude, first of all, shut up. Okay. You could say the exact
0: same thing for Javon Carter, but I will let you continue.
1: Uh, you could. Uh, secondly, we, you know, getting him acclimated, getting him a full off season with this coaching staff, getting mm-hmm. him a full off season with the other players you know getting him back in shape, getting him familiar, you know, those are all things that are gonna be helpful later on down the road. The people that are like complaining about Serge Ibaka coming back are the same people for months that complained that Demarcus Cousins wasn't oh brought back. And God. by the way, he's a free agent, and we still picked Ibaka over Cousins. I just want to put that out there, and I'm gonna let you have a floor,
0: dude. The fact that people kept going on Cousins and kept going on Cousins, it's like, dude, why he shot 25% from three when he was here, yeah. And he doesn't play defense. Zero. Ibaka literally does both of those things. Not as well as he used to, but he still does them. He does them well enough to be a primary backup to the guy that does them well. To me, what bringing back Serge Ibaka did for the Bucks was it allows them to use Bobby Portis as power forward, which is his primary position, and not have to play him at center so much because now it it fills out the depth chart in my mind. So instead of having Bobby Portis being your primary backup at power forward and center, he is now your primary backup at power forward. And Serge Ibaka becomes your backup at center. So what it does to me is it puts less of Bobby Portis's minutes at center, puts more of his minutes at power forward, and then it takes minutes away from Brook Lopez playing the center position, and it puts those onto Serge Ibaka to me, what that suggests is that they're looking at Brook Lopez, Bobby Portis, and Giannis Antetokounmpo at how many minutes they're playing in the regular season, looking to save them from some of that. So I'm going to say this now. Do not be surprised if Serge Baca plays something like 15 to 20 minutes a game throughout the entire regular season and then does not touch the floor in the playoffs. I'm telling you now, do not be surprised if that happens. I could see that. Okay. So, the other thing, I mean, we could say the, pretty much the exact same thing about Javon Carter except for the playoff part. Um, just because with Javon Carter, he was brought in late just like Sergi Baca. Actually, he was brought in later because he was a buyout after the trade deadline. Tra- Serge Ibaka was a trade deadline pickup. Um, so, um, Javon Carter had even less time in the system. Um, I get that he played well in limited minutes in the Chicago series, and he actually played well during the end of the regular season. Um, but Budenholzer opted for the experience of George Hill, who, keep in mind, was not only here all of this year, but he was all – the year before two years before he was here all of that season. So George Hill essentially had two years of experience to Javon Carter's two months of experience. Yeah,
1: I still, I, I understand. Like I completely understand the logistics of the situation, but I would have rather every once in a while, just thrown Carter out there instead of Hill, just to see what happens because we knew we were getting in Hill and I'm not mad at anything, like I'm not gonna kill Bud on it or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like most fans would, but just one time, just throw Carter out there and see if he makes a positive situation mm-hmm. out of out of a situation that was kind of you know, even where we were we were kind of just going back and forth with Boston a little bit. See if Carter can force a turnover or two, you never know. You know, never know. Uh it just I feel like if we could have survived that Celtics series and we could have got Middleton back, you know, maybe yep. two games into the conference yep. finals against the Heat, I was just gonna you know, say, like game. then three. you never know. Yeah, you never know then. But we got a title, we still have a superstar team, so let's not keep our heads down, man. The Bucks are gonna be good for a long, long, long time.
0: And it's not like the window is even remotely closed because Giannis is only twenty seven and he's not going anywhere. And I he's trust not.
1: horse, I trust horses as a GM. I do too. That he has an executive he,
0: of the year award for the for a reason.
1: He does. Um, and I sat behind him on an airplane. I should have caught his autograph, but I was I'm very sure scared, or, to, or a actually, picture or something. I was scared to talk to him. But <laughs> um, I think you know when the time comes, two years down the road, three years down the road, probably when we have to retool this roster, I I absolutely trust horse to be able to handle situation.
0: You know, on your on your point of retooling the roster too, I think that's a good point to bring up is that I've seen a lot of people questioning why are we doing one-year deals with all these old washed-up veterans? Why are we doing all these one-year deals? We need to draft and develop guys. It's like that's not that's not how being a contender works. No. Um, when you are a contender, you have your core and then you want to have as much flexibility roster-wise and financially as physically possible around your core. So the core is the big three, Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis. Then essentially you're looking at Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez for now. And that's pretty much it. Like Pat Connaughton is part of that, but he's he's a role player in this, in this situation. Outside of those five, six, seven guys, you're looking at just having as much flexibility as you possibly can on your roster so that if – somebody comes available, say a Patrick Beverly, you're not trying to figure out whose two or three year contract you have on your roster that you need to unload before you can think about signing Patrick Beverly.
1: Yep. You allow yourself that flexibility, basically. Exactly.
0: So you're not having to try to find trades like other teams are having to do now that they're trying to find trades. Philadelphia is in this position where they're trying to find people to take their players and they're going to end up getting bad returns just because they need to clear payroll so that they can bring in free agents because they have no flexibility.
1: Dude, that's Daryl Morey though. He kind of did that to the Rockets. He, he yeah, he kind of, did that to Houston too. Yeah, that's, that's screwed a good them point. Up, and then financially they were kind of screwed for a little bit. Now they're having to kind of tank, do what Philly, mm-hmm. you know, he went from Philly who was tanking to get good. And then <laughs> he, <doing laughs> it, he made Houston have to do that. And now he's going to make Philly have to do that again.
0: Yeah, dude. If Embiid leaves, that's Bro, that'd be put- a that'd be a skid mark on that organization.
1: He planted the seed last year when he talked about Miami needing another star. Now I would not enjoy him in Miami because they would be tough with him. Him and Jimmy Butler together would be tough in Miami. Yeah, that'd be cool. With- that'd be cool no, to
0: see them together, though. I mean, they no, had their they had their minutes, but
1: and they they have a great coach down there. That's all hmm. I'm gonna say. Yeah, um, that's so-
0: that's a good, good point.
1: Together. Yeah, I think the Brewers just lost, by the way. But, anyways, um, him down there in Miami would be scary for the Bucks.
0: Yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, so, let's see. We're at with – I want to answer Steve's question because I think that's a good question. He asked if Ibaka could turn into an Al Horford light. So, I think it's a good question. I think it's an interesting thought process. Right. Um. Ultimately Ibaka isn't going to play as many minutes as Al Horford. He might be able to find a similar role in just more limited minutes. Yeah. Um, I've kind of been kind of been toying with the idea of, of Thanassis having a role like that, just having really small limited sections where it's like, okay, here we go. We're going to stick Thanassus in for just a couple seconds here on this possession before the end of a quarter or something like that. Um, I think Ibaka's role would be bigger than that. Um, like a 10, 15 minute role where, you know, you come in, you can run some sets for him to get him some open looks, and then you can use him defensively because he knows what he's doing on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that that's possible. Um, I don't think Al or um, Serge Ibaka is going to be putting the ball on the floor as much as an Al Horford does. Um, I don't and think he's, he's up, quite that. He's not that playmaker. Yeah. That Al Horford is. Um, so I think to a degree, like, he, so, yes and no, I guess is what I'm saying. Um on defense, to be yes, kind of offense, no. That's sure, I that's fair. On um, defense,
1: yes, because he, he can control the pace on the defensive end. Right. On he's offense, strong enough to go
0: toe-to-toe with anybody on defense as well.
1: Yeah. On offense, he's not going to be shooting the lights out and making five threes in the game. And if he is, we're definitely winning that
0: game. I'll put that <laughs> out there too. All right, so – we talked about Ibaka. We mentioned Wesley Matthews, him playing his role. We mentioned Bobby and Pat being part of the core. Uh, Javon Carter being here in the full system, uh, the full season in the system. Um, let's talk about Joe Ingles because this was a this was a kind of a surprising free agent, but also it feels like a very Bucks free agent. Um, so let's let's talk about Joe Ingles. I want to get your thoughts because I have some some good stuff to say about Joe Ingles. Okay. So,
1: here's off the top of my head. First of all, Joe Ingles, mentally tough. Joe Ingles, can shoot. Joe Ingles, solid playmaker, way better than people give him credit for. Yep. Just going to say that. Um, I haven't watched a billion jazz games, but when I have, Joe Ingles sticks out. Um, He sticks out not like a Donovan Mitchell, but he's definitely in that secondary rotation where you're like, damn, the jazz are kind of deep, you know, that guy can shoot. And then you're like, oh, that's Joe Angles. You know, he's left-handed. He's crafty. People aren't used to, you know, guarding lefties. Even if you're in the NBA, it's still kind of weird. You know, yep. lefties have an advantage. Um, he could finish at the rim. He's a big guy, six Yeah, that, that means that he can guard multiple positions.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, he's very he doesn't solid get credit team. for that. He doesn't no, get credit not, for that at
1: all. I mean, he's very good at positioning his body. He's not going to – he doesn't have the quickest feet in the world or the quickest right. hands, but he understands positioning. And that is yep. step one to defense. So if you understand positioning, you can put your, the rest of your teammates in a good position to succeed. And he understands that he plays good basketball. But him with Giannis in the pick and roll on offense is going yes. to be disgusting. He was succeeding yep. with Gobert. And yep. Gobert is nowhere near Giannis on offense. No freaking where. He's In the restricted circle,
0: maybe. That's it. Only in the restricted circle is the only place. Near.
1: Giannis is dunking on two people at a time. With the left and Go, right. I mean,
0: Gobert, uh, he's not dunking on anybody with the left hand. But, like, strictly efficiency-wise, that's the only – in the restricted circle. So, like, zero, it, zero to it. one feet. <laughs> yeah. That's after, it.
1: After that, yeah, Giannis. But him, you know, I can imagine him passing Giannis. Giannis gets by the wall, and you either kick out to a Middleton or a Drew Holiday or a Bobby Portis or a Book Lopez, and I like or all Grayson those, and those Allen. options. <laughs> Yeah, or Grayson Allen. I mean, I like all those options.
0: Pat Connaughton, Javon That's Carter. That's my favorite
1: option. That's my favorite. Option. Dude, I love
0: I like Pat Connaughton's jumper. I love I Pat Connaughton's so awesome. I love Pat Connaughton.
1: I like that one day when he was like, "Catch high, release high, baby. Catch high, release high, I'm like, oh, yeah, baby." <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so to back up your point, first of all, I want to say your your point on defensive positioning is hundred percent on point. What Joe Ingles does really well. Is like Jake said, defensive positioning. Where that comes into effect is pick and roll defense. That is something the Bucks got eaten alive on a lot last season. Um, partially because the Bucks play that drop defense, which allows a lot of floaters, things like that, mid-range jump shots, which is the shots that the Bucks want you to shoot because they're not great. They're not great high percentage shots, uh-huh. um, but. Joe Ingles is actually really good at defending that because he knows where to be on those. Um, he's capable of guarding guys that are smaller than him. Um, he's six eight, which means he can guard guys his size. He's not like Jake said, he's not going to wow you with his athleticism. Um, you should pull up that quote of his that he said, because um, I don't know it exactly off the top of my head. You he um, the one
1: where he said he's unathletic and he'll still beat you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Pull up that quote while I, while I talk about offense. So, Joe Ingles on offense is actually a very good ball handler. Like Jake said, he doesn't get credit for as as crafty and as good of a playmaker as he is on the offensive end. When you go to points per possession for pick-and-roll ball handlers, Joe Ingles was actually 1.02 higher than Trey Young and Luka Doncic in points per possession when running the pick-and-roll as the ball handler. Just tells you that as efficiency goes, I'm not saying that Joe Ingles is better than those two because he's obviously not. But as far as efficiency is concerned, when running the pick and roll as a ball handler, Joe Ingles is better at that than Trey Young and Luka Doncic. That's a statistical fact.
1: Sorry, it is. Eat it. You ready for the quote? I found it.
0: Do it. Yeah, I knew you. Yeah, I knew you'd be able to find it because it's everywhere.
1: He said, "I've got a receding hairline." I'm slow, and I'm probably not the most jacked up with abs and all that, and I'm still going to beat you one-on-one. It is what it is, man. He knows – so we're talking about him in the pick and roll. So clearly he knows how to create for others. He understands, you know – he just understands basketball. He has mm-hmm. high basketball He's, IQ he's a baller, running. yeah. Why didn't we just say that? He has high basketball IQ on offense and defense, but he can also get to the rim and finish at the rim. He's not going to destroy you and dunk on you, so he's not going to be in the highlight reel. But I don't give a shit about no highlight reel, okay? You give me 15 points, you hit three three-pointers, and you dish out a couple of assists where you get Giannis going? Yeah, I do with that. And people need to understand basketball if they don't like the Joe Ingles signing to the Bucs. It makes zero sense why you don't like it. He fits everything that we need. We needed another playmaker. We missed that without Middleton, right? Now when Middleton goes out, we can run the pick and roll with Ingles and Giannis. Yep. That's a beautiful thing. Yep. A beautiful thing. I just need people to up their basketball, like you. Okay, that's all I'm asking, and I'm gonna that's ask nicely. Totally right fair.
0: Now. <laughs> um, he signed for the mid-level exception, so he's making six point four million. He is coming off of an ACL injury. Um, thankfully, his play style doesn't really require a lot of knee flexibility, just because, like he said himself, he's not a super fast guy. He's not like a like when Derrick Rose injured his knee and it was a really big deal because he relied so much on his athleticism. Mm-hmm. Joe Joe Ingles, re- Joe Ingles reminds more on his mind. Yep. Um, Matt says he's too frustrated with the Brewers.
1: Matt, you got to listen, man. They ups have, and downs. It's, I'm just going to say, ahead. This right now. they go haven't ahead. had an off day in how long, dude? Their legs are fucking fried. It's been, they usually have off days on Mondays. They didn't get yeah. one because of Fourth of July. Now they had to play Tuesday and Wednesday on top of that. They haven't had one in over a week, man. Their legs are fried, their brains are fried. Just relax. We're almost at the all-star break. The Brewers have played a ton of road games, a ton of multiple city, like Tyler said how many times, a ton of multiple city road trips. The second half schedule favors the Brewers so much. We just need to get to the all-star break. Hopefully everybody will stay healthy up to that point. We can get people back, get our legs back underneath us. The Brewers are fine. We're still in first place, man. We're still in first place. No matter if the Cardinals win, we're still in first place. The
0: Brewers put an outfield today of Keston Hira, Jonathan Davis, and Jace Peterson on the field today.
1: I would have never said that out of my mouth at the beginning of the season. Never.
0: There is not a single person that had that on their Milwaukee Brewers bingo card at the beginning of the year. Nobody. Literally nobody.
1: Dude, we're in July. It's July 6th today.
0: Right. The season
1: doesn't end until September. (laughs) Relax. I mean yeah. October. Do they play a couple games in October? I think they play a couple in October, like the yeah, first, like four or five days. That's even better. The season doesn't
0: regular season. We're like doesn't come three more months yet.
1: <laughs> Relax. It's okay. We we
0: just passed the halfway point on what Sunday. We're
1: okay. We're okay. Yeah, we're fine. We're, yep. we're completely okay. I'm right one bit.
0: Don't ride too low. Don't ride too high either. Like, I understand it. Like, Cubs fans are probably excited they got a series win. You're still in the basement. You have a worse record than the Pirates. Just throwing out.
1: Congratulations! You know how the Lions feel. You are officially a Lions fan today. Good job. they have a better record than the
0: Reds, so they got that going for them.
1: Hey, great job. Okay, so you're you're the Vikings or you're the Bears? I mean,
0: Uh, hey, I mean, don't don't start saying that. You start bringing up all these current events, and then they'll be like, "Oh, we had a World Series in 2016."
1: Okay, that's Uh, the
0: that's the default Chicago argument is to be like, "Oh, you know, we suck currently, but we did this how long ago?"
1: You understand, I have lived in four different houses since 2016. Four <laughs> different houses. I've had a child. I've had a girlfriend now for uh, three years. I, I've lived in three yeah. different cities. 2016 was a long time ago. Okay? Yeah. Get over it. You probably had abs in 2016. You have abs now? No, now get over yourself. Let's <laughs> get tired of that 2016. <sighs>
0: Brewers got a long way to go to catch up to that drought, anyways.
1: Oh, my God. And they sound just like the Bears fans. 1985. Mm. I don't want to hear that shit. Yeah. My
0: okay. God. So, back to the Bucks. What I want to say is, listen here. So, you might not like all the moves that the Bucks made. You might not think, oh, the Bucks didn't trade for Damian Lillard. I am sad now because the Bucks didn't trade for Lillard and Kevin Durant why didn't we trade for Katie and Kyrie I would have given Hill and Middleton for them and how uh. so okay listen to this if you're going to make all of these like honestly it sounds like whining um like I saw somebody yesterday say uh, I give the the bucks a C minus on their off season so far literally no context that was it I'm like based on what based on everything what is everything, all of their moves on the offseason so far. I know that. You said in your original post, C- minus for the offseason so far. The thing that people don't understand is that retention still counts as addition because while players are still, you know, quote-unquote contracted with the Bucs, they're not technically contracted with the Bucs until they resign. So that doesn't count. You can't just say that the, Bre- the Bucs didn't make any moves because they kept Five key players and added one. It doesn't it doesn't work that way. If you can't say the Bucks made no moves when they kept Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, Javon Carter, Wesley Matthews, and Serge Ibaka. Retention counts <laughs> as addition. He chases more rings than Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. That's You're clever. Wrong. That's clever. That was pretty good. Chasing more rings than Sonic the Hedgehog. That's pretty good. Um, so. Just because the Bucs didn't make a big splash in free agency and they focused a lot on retention doesn't mean they didn't do anything. Ugh, that, that drives me insane that people feel that way, that the Bucks didn't do anything because they have guys on the roster that they had last year.
1: How frustrating is it that after we won the ring, everybody's like, oh, my God, we're about to go on a run. Giannis is the best, blah, blah, blah. Now we keep players that help us win a ring – Literally two years ago now, or a year yeah. ago. I mean, not even have- a year. The finals were kind of happening at this time last year, right? Not even a year ago. We the that helped us win a ring, and you already are turning on them. Now we now we want to go get KD because he met, because there was some reporter out there that made up some list because the Suns weren't originally on the list. I don't I don't believe. I know the Heat were on the first list. But some guy made up something that KD was wanted to go to the Bucs. There was like four teams when it first came out, mm-hmm. and now everybody ran with that shit.
0: Yeah, we were not getting Kevin Durant, dude. The 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 Lillard rumors started because he tweeted that Giannis is the player that he would yeah. want to help him win a ring. Yeah, there's no actual rumors there. That's just Damian Lillard saying that he'd like to play with Giannis.
1: I'm sure other oh God. Social media has broken sports. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's, it's broken sports talk. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we talk about the things that we want to do with our show that we want to promote positivity and optimism and and quality, which we hope that we're doing. We hope that we're giving a quality product when we're talking about our teams and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I've talked to people about this and say, you know, this is what we want to do. People are like, wow, that sounds like a losing battle or wow, that sounds like an uphill battle. Thank you, I'm aware <laughs> it's an uphill battle. Um, and that's that's before you even get to shit like trolling where you can't tell people's tech or like um people's tone of voice through screens. that's before you even get to that where people are just saying dumb shit on purpose just because because they can oh, God.
1: So you know what? we'll get there. If it takes us till twenty eighty four, we'll get there, man. We got it. Well,
0: yeah. So, hopefully, you feel we're doing something that's of quality. Um, let's go. Let's go to summer league. So the Bucks announced their summer league roster. I think it was on Sunday as well. Actually, um, the Bucks play their first summer league game on Friday. I think they play against the Nets summer league team. Um, Kevin Durant will not be on that team. Um, (laughs) he doesn't want to be on the regular nets. He's not being on the summer league. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Jake and I each have three players that we are keeping an eye on for summer league. I have a feeling some of them are going to be the same, potentially even all of them, but I will let Jake go first. Let's talk about summer league players, um, that we are looking forward to.
1: Uh, first of all, Tyler, uh, we don't give a shit about your team that's like 30,000 games under 500. Congratulations on winning a ring when I was like not even 25 years old. Good job. Um, anyways, first, uh, first one, obviously I had to put the first round pick on there. Uh, Marjom oh, uh,
0: Beauchamp. Okay. Is it Beauchamp? Well, I, I've i been saying Beauchamp, so maybe okay. I'm wrong. I I don't know. I actually didn't look up a pronunciation. Okay. But
1: now so that you're not. saying
0: that, you're making me question if Beauchamp is the right way to say it. but. I don't know. That's the way it looks.
1: I'm just going with how I feel, and Beauchamp feels right, and it feels –
0: If he was French, I I would say it's Beauchamp, but it's literally Bo and Champ, so I feel like it's Beauchamp.
1: You know what? One of us is going to find out who's right on Friday, so – I'm going to find out right
0: now. You talk. I don't have him on my three, so go ahead. I will find it.
1: He's 6'7". He played in the G League, so he's been playing against pros for a whole year. He's long – the things that I'm looking for out of him, so I wrote down a couple of things I want to see from all three of my guys. Uh, the first thing is I want to see if his defense is actually real. Um, mm. He said, damn, you young. I wasn't 25 in 2016, Tyler. <laughs> that's what that's what my point was. Um, I want to see if his defense is real. You know, when we drafted him, they talked about how he can jump the passing lanes. He could for- force ball handlers into uncomfortable situations with his long arms and his good feet. Um, I want to see if he really can create his own shot. Um that yeah, you did talk about that.
0: Um that well, was, I was uh, right on the pronunciation. That's why I'm pointing right. at myself. Beauchamp. <laughs> that's Beauchamp.
1: <laughs> well, I like Beauchamp, so I might stick with that because it feels fancy. Um I wanna you see you have to, if you have to do the my...
0: Italian fingers every time. Beauchamp. Marginal Beauchamp. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um and then I want to see if you can create for others. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of, a lot of talk about that, but that's probably gonna be something that they're going to try to develop, you know, especially since he's going to be kind of a combo guard type player. He's going to be handling the ball a lot. He's going to
0: mm-hmm.
1: be playing off ball. Um, so we'll have to learn how to create for others. I like, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I love where they put his locker in the locker room. They put him right in between Giannis and Drew Holiday. And I'm like, oh, there's almost no better way. For you to end up as a rookie. I don't I don't two. think that
0: there are two better players you could put him in between between putting him in the best player in the league and the best yep. teammate in the league.
1: Exactly, exactly. And Giannis, a guy who's always hungry. So you're gonna see a guy that yep. works hard, you're gonna you're gonna learn that work ethic. And then, you know, like you said about Drew Holiday, he literally just won the award for best yep. teammate. Yep. you're not gonna get in a better situation. So yep. the Bucks are already setting him up for success. So I'm really, really looking yeah. forward to that. Uh, who's your first one?
0: That's good stuff. Uh, my first one is I'm looking at Sandro Mamu Kalashvili. I'm looking at Mamu because I want to see if he is taking the correct steps in essentially every single area. So uh-huh. uh, Mamu showed a lot of pro- a lot of promise offensively last year. He showed that he can actually handle the ball a little bit. He's a decent passer. He's got a little bit of an outside game. He can make some threes. Um, I'm looking to see if he ultimately if he's a little bit stronger a little bit faster are the first things that I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. And then if those two things, being stronger and faster, translate to the defensive side of the ball, um, that's where I'm going to be looking for Mamu to take the next step because Mamu essentially has this season, and if he can make a big step, he has a massive opportunity in 2023. Massive opportunity if he can grab this season by the balls and say, this is mine. Yeah. Because Brooke Lopez is a free agent. Sergi Baca will be a free agent. And the Bucks, like I said when we talked about Sergi Baca, appear to want Bobby Portis to play more power forward. That essentially leaves the starting center position open next year. Uh-huh. Now, I do think it's possible that they bring back Brooke Lopez on like a one- or two-year deal or a one-and-one one player option. Uh-huh. But as far as that starting center position, Mamu has the opportunity to Put himself in that role if he plays well this season. So that's that's the first guy that I'm looking at to see if he can make that next step and potentially take a couple steps forward um, and and work as far as, you know, drafting and developing, which is something that I've, I've seen a lot of complaints about. So that's my first one.
1: All right. Well, my second one is the same as your first one. I have Mamu uh, uh great name, by the way. Um, 6'11". So, you know, like you said, he has, he really does have an opportunity to, you know, take a spot on this roster and just grab life right by the horns and just say, give me, um, mm-hmm. I want to see growth too. Um, I'm not as optimistic as him turning out to be a great defender as you. I just don't see it.
0: Um, I'm i am just looking to see steps forward. I'm, I don't know that he has the, the potential to be a great defender, but if he can be, a average. good offensive contributor and a average defender so that he's you know not yeah not subtracting everything that he's adding yeah. on one end that he is from the other end and essentially being you know just a negligible player um that's that's what i'm looking for
1: um i would like to see him be stronger as well that was one thing that i wrote down i want to see him be stronger he got pushed around a little bit last year i think he was sh- I think that's the thing that all rookies have to deal with—is they're a little shocked at the physicality. I mean, not just the speed, but the sheer physicality of these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody talks about the first time they took a shoulder from Giannis. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're taking a shoulder from a great god, so I would. I, it dude, would,
0: I, the <laughs> the amount of hype that I've seen after one summer league game from Chet Holmgren. Oh God! And people are like, "Wait till he plays Giannis for the first
1: time, <laughs> bro!" You know what he's gonna do, to that skinny little dude.
0: Oh my gosh! Oh man, he
1: about to kill that guy. But I want to see if Sandro can really develop. I think he has the potential on offense, you know, because he can handle the ball mm-hmm. and he does have the pass first mindset. Yep. I want to see if he could turn into a force on offense because Giannis is Giannis as he can pass is still a shoot first guy. Where Mamu I think is a pass first guy who can shoot. So I think their playstyles would really play well off mm. of each other. And that's something that I would look forward oh, to. Not Mama. to mention
0: that Mama would give you that floor spacing. The Bucks yep. have, have loved so much by having Brooke Lopez on the team. Because he maybe gives you can, that, that elite paint defense, and then he gives you the floor spacing on offense.
1: Maybe we can get uh, Splash Mountain
0: 2.0. That'd be sweet. <laughs> All right. My second one, I am looking at Hugo Besson. So... I watched as much of his highlights as I could find. Um, basically, he is a he's a draft and stash for the Bucks. The Bucs essentially drafted the rights to him. Um, he's not going to play in America this year. He's going to play in, I believe, in New Zealand again next year. Um, okay. dude, his jump shot is so smooth. He has such a smooth jump shot. I, oh my, it's it's awesome. His, his poetry in motion is Hugo Basan's jump shot. Um, so essentially, I just want to see him play in the United States, um, and see, see how his skills translate into, um, into playing, you know, American basketball versus, you know, um, New Zealand, which is kind of, yeah, it's more like the European style of basketball, which is different. Um, so, you know, they are playing basketball, but the style of play is different where it's like Jake said, it's a lot more physical when you get to the NBA. So I'm looking to see to see how Hugo does coming into play in the United States.
1: That's good stuff. All right, so I've been seeing a lot about this guy. So I just started watching YouTube videos into him, and he might be it, man. He might be that guy. Um, It's A.J. Green. He's a Mm -hmm. shooter, point blank period. Um, He averaged 18 points per game last year, and he shot 38% from three. I'm not looking for him to do anything else. You just be the prototypical white guy that is six four. So you're too short to play forward. You're too tall to play point guard, and you just grab the damn ball and you shoot it. Okay. If you turn into JJ Redick, then you turn into JJ Redick. Okay. That's all I'm looking for. JJ Redick was six four, white guy that could Dude.
0: shoot. Kyle Korver.
1: Kyle Korver was huge though. He was six seven.
0: I'm just saying, a prototypical white guy that shoot yeah. shoot the ball.
1: If you turn into that guy, that is all we needed against the Celtics seriously True. just be that guy that's all i'm looking for he is going you know and i talked about it before he's gonna be shocked by the physicality man i mean because like you know he's six four so he's kind of a tweener guy yep. so he might be a guy that has problems guarding those super twitchy quick point guards but that might be too small for some of the other guards you know and a little bit they're where they're bulked up and they have you know a year or two experience in the league mm-hmm. so small forwards um, too if it, if it becomes I'm not like, looking for him to go crazy or anything like that. My expectations for him are very low, but all I want him to do is just strike some three-pointers and I'll be excited.
0: <laughs> so he's got the other two-way contract for the Bucs. AJ Green is my third one as well. Um, he's got the other two-way contract for the Bucks. So um, him and Mamu are probably going to be up and down a whole bunch, especially when it comes to injuries and load management and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do expect to see a lot of AJ Green playing for the Wisconsin Herd. Um but like Jake said, he's a shooter. Shooter shoot, that's what we that's what AJ Green is. So we finally I have got
1: AJ Green pilot.
0: We finally I got I know, right? The, yeah, we, we finally got that. AJ Green. <laughs> <laughs> um so he he needs like no space to get his shot off. Like yeah, it's, it's, He yeah, and he's so good in contested jump shots. Um I have based on the shots that he's shooting in college um, being like 11 feet behind the three point line, I have no doubt that he'll have no problems adjusting to NBA range. Um, and essentially he's the perfect type of player to put in the boot holes or let it fly offense. Um, so he can score in bunches too. I've seen that in a bunch of his games where he comes in, he makes three threes in like two minutes. So he, he strikes me as that, that microwave type guy that when he gets hot, like you feed him until he misses. Yeah. Shoot um, miss. <laughs> right.
1: Like like the old 2K days.
0: <laughs> right. So like Jake said, it's 38% on threes. Um, 91% of the free throw line is good. Uh, the Bucs did actually struggle with free throw shooting last season. That was kind of something I harped on and ended up becoming part of my fundamental failures that I would bring up was miss free yeah. throws. So this is where I got a little interesting here. So, A.J. Green is six foot four. He is the same exact height as Grayson Allen. You look at their college stats, they're actually very similar. If you go and look at their college stats as far as their scoring. Um, So Grayson Allen is under contract for eight and a half million for this season and for next season. Um, To me, this kind of struck me as a move Bringing in AJ Green on a two-way contract to see if AJ Green could potentially fill that Grayson Allen role, and potentially make Grayson Allen a trade, you know, trade bait, trade piece, trade chip.
1: Hmm.
0: That's that would be interesting.
1: That would be interesting. That's what I'm here for. Make you think. Something to consider as the season comes near. Mm -hmm. I am excited to watch a little bit of Bucks in the summer. I'm not gonna lie. I miss basketball. I watch Giannis highlights uh, probably once a week. <laughs> Just watch him scream at people really loudly as he right. embarrasses them in front of their families. Can you imagine yeah. being the guy like you brought your kid to his first game, bro, and you get dunked on? Oh, oh. <laughs> That's almost as bad as Drew Gooden's yeah. kid. playing. Drew Gooden played for the Bulls at this time, and he told his dad that his favorite player was LeBron on the Cavs. <laughs> that was when LeBron was wrecking the Bulls. Oh, my uh. god.
0: That's embarrassing. I saying, they ended up being teammates, though, didn't
1: they? They did. They did. But still, imagine your imagine named. your son being like, you're not my favorite player, dad, even though it's you a know, really, really small chance that you make it to the NBA and you <laughs> worked your butt off and you were an all-star and all this stuff. But LeBron's better than you, so he's my favorite. I think I would kick my kid out of the house, dude. You're not allowed <laughs> to live here then, you little bastard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
1: I'm not being serious, by the way, for people that are going to take me seriously. I am <laughs> – being completely sarcastic. <laughs> all
0: right. Do you have anything else you want to say about the Bucks?
1: No, it felt nice to talk some basketball, though. I'm not gonna lie. Felt nice. Yeah, got
0: some got some stuff coming up and some stuff happening. So yeah. All right, we are gonna switch to baseball. Um, some ups and downs. Now, this is gonna be the case all the time. There are always going to be ups and downs. Yeah. Just we just seriously, we just encourage you not to ride the roller coaster too high or too low. Um, just because you got to, the baseball is such a long season. It is, a grind, you just, you right? just got to try to stay in that gray area as well as you can. Like I understand things are frustrating or when things are going really well that you just, you know, ride the high and, and live in the clouds. And I understand that. And I totally get that. But, We are here to try to encourage you to try to stay a little more even keel. Um, You know, we're not going to tell you, like, you know, don't have fun when it's going well. And we're not going to tell you you're stupid for being frustrated when things aren't going well. Mm. But what we would encourage you to not do is go straight to this guy sucks, this team sucks, council sucks, this guy sucks, we need to trade everybody and fire everybody and calm down. Like, take a step back regain your perspective. Like Jake said, the Brewers are still in first place. Even if the Cardinals win today, the Brewers haven't had an off day since last Monday. Um, You know, the Brewers have a couple guys still on the injured list. So, you know, there's still things that you can take away from these games that are positive, even though the team didn't win. And the things that didn't go well are the things you can look to, to how the Brewers can improve. And it doesn't just have to be the Brewers suck on offense. Why do the Brewers suck on offense? Why aren't the Brewers performing as well on offense as they could be, or they should be, or how can they be better? That's what Jake and I want to look at as opposed to just saying, you know, this game sucked because the offense sucked. Mm -hmm. Let's look at why the offense didn't perform well and think of constructively criticizing ways to improve it. Mm -hmm. and take that optimistic approach of this is how they can improve, and then we'll see if they do it. Ultimately, 29 out of 30 teams are not going to win the World Series this year. Some of them are already out of contention, like the Reds and Cubs. Yeah, Cubs. Congratulations. (laughs) Um, So, like I said, 29 out of 30 teams aren't going to win the World Series every season. 31 out of 32 NFL teams aren't going to win the Super Bowl every year. And there's only one team that wins the NBA Finals. You know, and people are going to be like, oh, that's the that's the loser
1: mentality. Okay, try telling that to LA who pays $300 million and their only ring they won was that fucking 2020 60-game ring. season, yeah. Yeah, come on. You're going to tell me they paid $300 million to play 60 games. They got a ring out of it. Congratulations. But they pay that every year. Same with the Yankees. They pay all this boatload of money. The Mets are do doing they, it. The
0: Padres are doing it.
1: Do they do they win the ring every year? No, they don't.
0: Listen, listen here. This is the other thing that goes along with that too is, yes, I understand that not every team wins a championship every season. Yeah. But listen, you can't tell me that you had no fun during the regular season despite not winning a championship. If that's the case, like why would anybody be fans of the Vikings or the Lions or the Brewers that don't have a World Series? Like Why would anybody be a fan of a team that has never won a championship if there was no fun to be had during the regular season?
1: Or you could be a fan of the Cubs, and you had to go four generations in your family before they won a ring. I mean, you could do any of those things. I just want to kick the Cubs because <laughs> their fans are going to be
0: shit. <laughs> So, all right, let's start with the Pirates series. Um, Game one kind of sucked because another pitcher got hurt, so that's another thing that we're dealing with. Um, I do want to give credit to some of the the Pirates' young players in this series because they're playing with confidence because they essentially have no pressure on them. Nobody's expecting them. They have no expectations, so they just get to go out and, and play loose and not have to feel a bunch of pressure, which I'm sure the Brewers players are feeling right now, and it could be potentially causing some of their problems. Because they're playing under so much pressure that you know, you know, people are saying that you know, our offense isn't good. Like it's obviously not a secret to the offense it isn't great, but there's still pressure involved there. So that said, um, O'Neal Cruz is a very good young player. Not to mention that he's a freaking monster. He's six foot seven, he's an inch taller than me. Um, at shortstop of all positions,
1: right, dude? That's like the you,
0: you hear thing. six foot seven? I'm like, no, I do plays first base or outfield or maybe pitching, like Randy okay. Johnson.
1: Well, the well, pitcher today, that one of the pitchers today the, the Cubs had was like six seven
0: or six, six eight, foot or seven shortstop. Like, what the hell? You going to change the name. Like the Pirates don't have shortstop anymore; they have a tall stop. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he's fast as hell.
0: Do He's dude. He's good.
1: He's good. The, good for
0: the Pirates. You guys finally have something nice. Don't ruin it.
1: Yeah, he's an exciting player. Well, God damn it, Reynolds. I almost Brian Reynolds. Him. He's good too. He's switch hitter. Plays pretty good solid defense. He's a yeah. Good he, the
0: Pirates should trade him to the Brewers.
1: I agree. I would love him on the Brewers. <laughs> Brewers All right. He's so, a hitter that hits both sides of the plate.
0: Yeah. So the Brewers tied three uh, in the fourth inning. Uh, Paris hit a home run. Credit to him. This is not a knock on Hauser for giving up this home run. That pitch was down and in. Um, Not an easy pitch to hit out. Um, The second and third home runs that he gave up, those were kind of down the middle. One was a breaking ball right down the middle, and one was a four-seam fastball right down the middle. Like Nobody's missing those. Mm -hmm. Um, So I will say Christian Yelich, Colton Wong, Andrew McCutcheon, um, Jace Peterson all had multiple hits. Um, Kachan was on base four times. Omar Narvaez was on base three times. Um, the Brewers only struck out eight times as a team. That's okay. It's not great. It's not bad. Um, yeah. But Christian Yelich extended his hitting streak in this game, and the Brewers almost made a late comeback. So okay. you know there's there's still some solid you know takeaways from this game despite the Brewers not winning. But um, what did you see from Game One of that Pirate series?
1: Uh, that one of the things I was going to bring up. Uh, is if you were one of those people that was cheering and happy because Houser's been struggling this season and you were happy that he got hurt, you are a dirty human being and I do not want you being a fan of the same team as me.
0: Or our show for that matter. There is not a That's single scenario or situation where cheering for an injury is... Okay, I don't give a shit if it happens in Game 7 of the finals and we're playing the Lakers and somebody gets hurt. I don't care. There's... like. It happened during the Celtics series. Marcus Smart got hurt and his like shoulder was like dangling. The first thing that we said on our page is that like we are Bucks fans, but we hope Marcus Smart is okay. There's not a single scenario where wanting somebody else to be hurt is okay. I don't give a shit what team they play for.
1: 100%. We do not cheer for injuries. So if you cheer for injuries, um not that I want to lose followers, I don't want to lose anybody, anybody, but we don't do that around here, okay? So if you see cheer you so for far. injuries, see way out. That's all I'm going to say.
0: Um or stop so, it. I mean, you could do that too. That's an option.
1: You could do that. That is a better option. You could stick around and just yeah, stick and around just, and yeah, stick around you and could stop grow it. up and be an adult. You know, yeah. you could think, I understand you could that funny.
0: these are these are you know, these athletes are people, so
1: yeah. Um, and I just wanted to give credit to the Brewers, you know, for not giving up. I mean, they gave mm-hmm. up a ton of runs. Um, and like you were talking about that late run, they almost made a comeback, man. And yes, almost only counts in the horseshoes and hand grenades, but yep, you know. They didn't give up, they were still fighting till the very end, and that's that's what I want to see out of my teams. I want to see them try and fight. So
0: I mean and, it makes it more interesting for the fans in the stands too. They didn't just phone no, it in and, and ground out and not hustle out ground right. balls and they, stuff and strike out a bunch a for the rest of the game.
1: Yeah, they made it a game. So um I'm proud of them for doing that. A Bunch of people had RBIs, I'm sure you mentioned them. Um Yeli, Wong, Adamas had two of them, Narvaez, Telez, and Urias, they all had RBIs, so the one thing I didn't like is we lost this game by one, and I know that we had to make a comeback to make that happen, but we had eight runners left on base. And a, and a mm. game that you lose by one, that sucks.
0: Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm really, really trying, racking my brain to figure out ways the breweries can be better um, with guys on base. So uh, when we get to improvements later, I'll talk about that. But uh, let's go to game two. What did you see from game two? That was the fun one.
1: What didn't you see in game two if you're a Brewers fan? <laughs> Seriously, 19 runs? Yeah. That is insane, first of all, and it happened today, so it's still relevant today. Everybody always talks about the run support for uh, for Burns, and he mm. got all of the run support for his season in one game. We oh, wasted it all dude, the Real quick,
0: team. because you said that, the Brewers do not control when they score their runs. If I see one more stupid comment of, well, they sort of save some runs for tomorrow – doesn't happen. They don't control when they score their runs. It's not like they were like, oh, we're going to score 19 today and only two tomorrow. That's how we're going to do this. Like, they don't just get to say, like, oh, we have 21 runs to score the next two days. How should we do it? Let's do 19 and one and two in the other instead of 10 and 11.
1: Okay. Also, I'm going to add on to that. You're not the first person to say that, and it's not funny anymore. So
0: it's never. It's never been funny. Okay. <laughs>
1: Carantini, Adamas, Telez, and Hira got homers. Uh, Yelly, Wong, Carantini, Adamas had four RBIs. Telez had three. Urias had two. And Hira, and Hira had one. And Brasso had three RBIs. That is all one game.
0: Brasso didn't start the game, and he still drove in three runs.
1: And he pitched in that game, and that was amazing. <laughs> he pitched, and it was amazing and awesome. And he pitched again in another game. You know We'll talk about that in a little bit. But amazing. The Brewers were awesome at the plate that day. Uh, we also got a you know four walks out of Burns isn't great, but yeah. Burns, he gets past. He was a magical today and he didn't get any run support. so it is what it is.
0: So this shouldn't really you come this as. A, down. <laughs> this shouldn't really come as a surprise to anybody, but I have a whole bunch of cool stats for the Brewers this week. Mm-hmm. One of them coming from this game. So I'm going to talk about the game first. It was quiet first inning. Second innings where it exploded. Um, McCutcheon had a single. Colton Wong had a double. Um, Luis Urias hit a home run. Kesson Hira hit a home run. Rowdy Tellez hit a home run. Um, Rowdy Tellez got two more RBI in the fourth inning. Um, the Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher, Ronzi Contreras, came in with a 2.76 ERA, and he left with a 4.09 ERA. After an inning and two thirds, oh, yeah. So um, Trevor Kelly pitched well in the seventh and eighth. Uh, the Brewers put together their first three home run inning since 2019. Um, wow. Rowdy wow. got. <laughs> um, where's Christopher? Christopher is my my stat hype man. Um, Rowdy got to six straight hits for home runs. Uh, Now he's extended that extra base streak. Um, Jake mentioned Corbin Burns. Um, What's up, Simon? Six-inning pitched, one hit, one earned run, five strikeouts. He did have the four walks, so I don't know if you subscribe to The Athletic, but The Athletic, uh, Will Salmon had a really good article about Corbin Burns talking about the notebook that he has that he uses that he keeps track of his execution in. So Corbin Burns, like he keeps track of all of the pitches, the pitch types, and the way that he executes them, and how many he executes, he keeps track of all of that in a notebook. Corbin Burns does. Um, yeah, if you if you subscribe to the Athletic, Will Salmon had that article about Corbin Burns. So Corbin Burns talked about it not executing as well as he would like to on his cutter. Um, his off speed stuff has actually been really really good this season. Um, so been loving that from Corbin Burns. Yeah. Now. So the Brewers hit for the home run cycle in this game. They hit a solo home run, a two-run home run, a three-run home run, and a grand slam in this game. That all happened. Um, Everybody but Davis got a hit, but Davis did have two walks, so everybody was on base. Um, Davis was back on the field after his injury diving into the the wall last week. Um, Kesson Hira has hit 12 home runs against the Pirates since 2019. Only Paul Goldschmidt has more with 14. Wow. He likes the Pirates. <laughs> he does. Apparently he does. Um, <laughs> Christian Yelich extended his history in this game. Um, so in the eighth inning, the Brewers sent 11 runners to the plate before an out. Jeez. This game, so the Brewers scored eight runs in the eighth inning without recording an out. It was only the third time in Brewers history that they have scored eight runs without recording it out. The other two times happened in 1987 and 1978. Wow. I got more. Hey, Dad, Dad, you're old enough to know that. (laughs) Um, So this was also the first time in franchise history that the Brewers scored seven-plus runs in an inning twice in one game. Hadn't been done in Major League Baseball since the A's in twenty in twenty eighteen. Wow! A couple people here and there don't club me like a stat man for nothing.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Baby. Uh, I got some
0: more stats when we get into some of these later games. So we can let's go to Game Three of the Pirates series.
1: Uh, game Three kind of sucked, in my opinion. This is. Uh, I mean, losing that first game, um, I was like, you know what? They played two tough teams. I'll give them a little bit of break. And then they won 19-2. This is the one that I was like, eh, this one kind of sucks. Uh, we lost 7-4. to four. Uh, We left nine runners on base in this game. Yeah. So that's tough. Uh, Yelly had an RBI and a home run. Went yard. Uh, Wong and Peterson both had two out RBIs. Uh, Wong and a homer. Uh, Ashby only went three and a third, which is tough. I know well, there's you're a reason have, why. Yeah, I know you're gonna have more. Um, I'm just giving everybody the recap. Three and a third. He had give up five hits, four earned runs, uh, only one walk, so that's good. And yep. six Ks. Um, Ashby has great stuff. So if anybody's ready to give up on Ashby, relax. Okay, he has great stuff. That slider, that fastball, both good. Yep. Um, he's he's got, working
0: change up a little bit too. He's starting to get in there.
1: Man, if he develops a change up, he's about to be a problem. Seriously,
0: fastball changeup slider combo. That's
1: from a lefty tough. That's tough, man. Um, and he has great, he has great, uh, velocity on all of his pitches. So if he, yes, he can roll that changeup. Um, Milner came in, pitched the third of an inning. He looked good. Uh, yeah, he gave up an earned run, but he, in my opinion, I like Milner. Um, Gonzalez was the only pitcher that pitched in the game that didn't give up an earned run, but. I can't get over the nine left on base, man. That that yeah, number, I keep looking at the left on base every game now. It's like I have to look at it. And it's just, it's getting bigger and bigger, man.
0: <laughs> it, it gets down at some points here and there. Obviously, it's usually lower in the games the Brewers win. Um, yeah. So there's you know obviously some correlation there, which shouldn't be shocking. But um, Ashby was looking good early. Um, the wheels kind of came off for him in the third and the fourth inning. Um, he did work. Um, the second inning struck out the side. Um, like Jake said, he had the six strikeouts, only the one walk. So Ashby has had some control issues in this season. So for him to, you know, have an appearance, only give up one walk, that's perfectly acceptable to me. Yep. Um, obviously you'd want the number to be zero, but for a young guy with some control issues at times, one walk is not the end of the world. Um, and he was limited in this outing on purpose. Um, they limited him because he was first game back from injury. So when he pitches tomorrow, I mean, as long as he's good, he'll probably be good. Of um,
1: I'm off tomorrow, But on Friday, okay. They're off. Oh, they are off tomorrow. No. Yep, they get their day off tomorrow. Finally,
0: they're up. for they're some off reason. Tomorrow. I thought they were off on Monday, too.
1: No, they weren't off this Monday. That's why they have off tomorrow.
0: <laughs> for some reason, I thought they were off next Monday. I don't know.
1: They are. They usually do have off days on Monday, but they have off. They have off on Thursday this week, because then I believe they they start another three game series with the Pirates, if I remember correctly. Let me look real quick.
0: I want to look because now I'm, i I want to make sure that I'm not confused.
1: Yep, they are off tomorrow, and then they play the Pirates this weekend. That's what this uh, this week. They're off is Monday tomorrow. too.
0: They are off Monday. Good. Yeah. They so they're, they're off. Yeah. Off so them. they're off. They play three with Pittsburgh, and then they're off again, and then they they start a road trip. So.
1: Yep, and then that's the last. They play like six games, and then I think it's the All Star break, if I remember everything correctly. Okay, so I think they play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then yeah, then it's the it's the All Star break. So they have like five days off, something like that. But anyway, all
0: right. So they got essentially seven days off in the next two weeks. So that is nice. That'll be great for them. So Friday, when Ashby pitches, he likely won't be under any sort of restriction. Um, so I did talk about this the last two weeks about Willie Adonis's patience at the plate. It does seem to be improving. It's, it seems like he's starting to go a little bit backwards on it, but he's getting some really ridiculous strikes called on him. Like, like Monday's game was freaking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but in the third game of the Pirates series, he did work an O two two count back to a walk. So that's encouraging to see that from Willie. Um, yeah. Trevor God did have two walks that came in to score. Um, He's working back from the injured list. It's only his third appearance since coming back from the injured list, so we'll give him a little bit of time to get back to his his groove. Um, The Brewers had seven base runners in the first three innings, five hits, only scored one run, um, three double plays in the first four innings. So it's kind of a really unfortunate thing. It just seems like the Brewers are just constantly hitting into double plays. Um, The Brewers will be, in my opinion, just based on this season alone, one of the teams that benefits the most from not having the shift anymore. I agree. Honestly, Christian Yelich will probably be the one that benefits the most from it. I swear to God, he grounds out to that short right field infielder, quote-unquote. Like, eight out of his ten ground outs are to that extra shift in outfielder. <laughs> He's going to hit three hundred again, baby. <laughs> I mean, hey, we get, we'll get there. Well, simmer down. Okay. So... Aaron Ashby's back. Christian Yelich extended his hitting streak to 12 in this game. Uh, the Brewers scored some more late runs again. chi had three scoreless innings. Um, we're going to need him for a little bit yet without Hauser. Um, yeah. Everybody but Rowdy and Willie, who did have two walks, had a hit. Um, just need to string them together. The Brewers, every, like I just said, everybody except for Rowdy Tellez was on base in this game. They just got to do these things more consecutively. So the Brewers actually have an OPS. Uh, let's see where I have it on here somewhere. Um, oh, here. So with runners in scoring position, the Brewers actually are ninth in Major League Baseball in OPS. That's on baseball slugging. They're actually ninth in Major League Baseball with, with um, runners in scoring position. Unfortunately, it just seems like they're drawing a lot of walks in those situations that, you know, add force outs. Um, and then, you know, I'll get to that when I get to improvements, but um, it just needs to be more consecutive with these things. Um, the hits, the walks just needs to happen more and more together. Like they did in the pirates game where they won 19 to two. So let's go to the fourth game of that Pirates series. And I will let you talk.
1: Okay. First thing I'm going to say is Woody is good. He's, he, he's good. all right. <laughs> he, he, Dominated with the Timber Rattlers and then he just came up and he's just like he said it was like, Yeah, I'm ready. And then he just like shit on the Rays and then he just shit on the Pirates. We won this game two to zero, by the way. I didn't even yep. write down the pirates score. I didn't even realize it. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. They didn't have any. Yeah. Um, but he gave up six great innings, gave up six hits, but no walks, no earned runs, had the eight strikeouts. So he's had a ten strikeout game on seventy six pitches, and then he had an eight strikeout game. So, I mean, the guy is just dealing straight up. Um, Narvaez had a, a two-run homer, which was – man, was that nice to see that. Uh, they only left four, First I mean. one
0: since May 9th.
1: Yeah. Um, he's been – man, he has been great defensively. All the Brewers catchers have been great defensively. I will say that right now. And then, uh, what did I see? I think yesterday I saw a stat. They were top five in uh, – it might have been – on base percentage for the catchers. The Brewers catchers were fifth in all of baseball for hmm. on base percentage. So I mean
0: Carantini's doing his job. Carantini, yeah, he's helping out big time.
1: Yeah, he is. Um, you know, and then Boxberger did his thing, Williams did his thing, Hader did his thing, and the Brewers ended yep. up winning this two to zero. So that's all you need to know about that.
0: Um, the Brewers only struck out six times as a team in this game. That was really encouraging for me to see. Um, yeah, anytime you're striking out less is good. Um, Woodruff looks like prime Woodruff. He looks like his injury did not even bother him. Um, yeah. zero walks, zero walks with his eight strikeouts. That is huge from Woodruff. I love seeing that. Um, like Jake said, um, you go from the Boxberger Williams hater bullpen. Um, Josh Hader recorded four outs in the ninth inning. So he had that going for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yelich extended his hitting streak again. Brandon Woodruff was great. Omar Narvaez, like I said, his first home run since May 9th. Um, Brandon Woodruff, man, his fastball looked so good. Like, nobody yeah. could touch his fastball. Like, yeah, nobody that could touch it right now. That and it, it, it just set all of his off-speed stuff up so well because his fastball was so effective. So, I loved watching Woodruff pitch in that game. Loved it. Um, that's great. Let's go. Let's go to the Cubs. Let's go to Monday.
1: Ah, this game was frustrating. Um, the ninth inning was, man. You want to talk about up and downs? That ninth inning was an up and down. Um, first of all, it was nice to see Eric Lauer be Eric Lauer. Um, he had better control. Um, didn't give up the home run. Well. well they did give up a very annoying home run. I can't get over it, dude. Oh my god, I can't believe it. That was just inexperience. No, Davis is not bad. I don't want to hear that. Um, that was just inexperience with playing in that outfield. That's all yep. I'm gonna say about that. Um, but the nine strikeouts from Lauer and only two walks that's a good ratio to me. Yep. Um, Yelich got an RBI, Carantini had three RBIs. We'll talk about that in a sec, <laughs> but I want to talk about it. Here. Nobody's going to talk about his four strikeouts. So he had a really forgettable game, right? He struck nope. out four times. But because he got the one hit that mattered, that's what we're going to talk about. Fifth I love it that
0: time. Fifth time that a player has struck out four times and then hit a walk-off home run. It's only happened five times since 1900.
1: Holy shit. <laughs> that's my favorite stat you just shared. Today, the that's the stat. Um... They won this game. Um, the Cubs, you know, after they lost this game, were three and ten at American Family Field. Obviously, we know they won two games, um, but they were three and ten since the start of 2021 at American Family Field. So we were kicking their ass. They're like Wrigley North. Yeah, you were three and ten there. Obviously now they're five and ten, but still you've lost ten times to the five wins. So congratulations again on being the Detroit Lions. Um, <laughs> it was Carantini's second walk off of his career. First with the Brewers, obviously. And it was the Brewers' third walk-off and 19th comeback win of the season. So, mm. this team this team does not give up. Uh, they That's always fight till the end. So, uh, the one thing I have to talk about, I have to talk about one more thing. First of all, the pitchers had 15 strikeouts altogether. We struck the Cubs out 15 times. That's a lot. <laughs> and Foxberger has the biggest nuts in the room. And I don't Dude.
0: Yeah, that – but I said this to you before the show. So Boxberger strikes out two guys with the bases loaded in the bottom of the or the top of the tenth inning, and he walks off like they're up five nothing in the first.
1: Bro, I instantly stood up, started screaming. I was like, "Big balls, bro! For <laughs> him to throw all those changeups, and the last two were fucking beautiful. I'm Nasty. they were beautiful, bro. He he threw them in the exact spot that Carantini asked for." And like you that said. That last one
0: just froze him.
1: It did. Just you saw frozen. him. That's why yep. I was like, oh, shit. He thought he was going high fastball. That's why. Yeah. He thought he was going to do that high fastball right out of the strike zone. Yeah. But, bro, for him to throw that in that situation, he went, uh. and I And I was watching the game with my uh, my girlfriend's sister. I was like, yeah, he got fooled. Did you see his legs? Yeah. And I was just like, big balls, bro. It was, <laughs> I was sick. I was sick, man.
0: All right. So <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, so it's good to see Lauer bounce back after having a rough June. Uh, he actually talked about it after the game. He said he felt like June, he got kicked in the nuts. Literally what he said. Um, So his That's fastball, his his zoom ball, as it's called, uh, his fastball has like a rising action to it. It's it's actually really cool. Like he, throw, he doesn't throw overly hard. He throws like 93, 94 on his fastball but it has just, like, a little bit of upward motion to it. It makes it hard to hit. Um, So I will give credit to Velasquez on the home run that he hit. The pitch was low and inside. It's a tough pitch to hit, but he hit it out. So credit to him for that. Um, To the bottom of the ninth inning, they're posted on our Twitter page. The two strike calls that Willie Adamas had called on him in the bottom of the ninth inning, like – just sign me up for robotic umps already. This is freaking ridiculous. And it twice in a row Yeah,
1: to call him one, that far away. The first one was definitely closer. I will give him a pass on that. But the second one, how in the hell do you call that a strike?
0: Once once is an accident. Forgivable, it's one bad call to do literally twice in a row on two horrible pitches. Well, like, I feel bad for Willie because he's going through a little bit of a slump right now mm. with this series, at least. Yeah. To get some, oh my God, to get calls like that, just, just car just seriously, sign me up for the robotic strike zone already. I agree. At least it's consistent. Then, yeah. not like last yeah. week where Jason Alexander is pitching in the eighth inning and he throws one that catches like the like a third of the plate and it gets called a ball. Like, what are we even doing here?
1: <laughs> what are we doing here? I don't know. They don't know. No, Calling terrible pitches, you
0: know, balls and strikes. That's what we're doing.
1: A robots would know what to do. That's
0: all I'm doing. They would. And I, and I don't need them making the calls on the bases literally just for the strike zone. Yeah. That's it. Because then it's at least consistent in the strike zone. That's all I want is a consistent strike zone. The human error is part of the game. Yeah, but it's not fair for both teams. Sometimes yeah. it works in the brewer's favor. like it's, It does sometimes, but it also irritates the hot of me when it doesn't. So I just want it to be fair and consistent all the time.
1: Yeah. The the people that say that human hair is part of the game are the same people that like the nostalgia. They're in that same group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's fair. So <laughs> base is loaded with one out and Brad Boxberger strikes out arguably the two best power two of the best power hitters in the Cubs lineup. Definitely their best in Patrick Wisdom, and the other one yeah. being Hap to strike those two out. That's that's huge. Um, I actually, so, like Patrick
1: Wisdom is really sad because I think he's I a do good player.
0: I do too. Like I said before, this it was actually at the end of last season. Some people were talking. There was a couple of Chicago fans, and they're like. Um, you know, they're talking about Patrick Wisdom. It's like I'll take him if you don't want him. Like I felt the same way about Anthony Rizzo. It's like it sucks that he plays for the Cubs because I actually really like him. Yeah, he's um, a
1: nice guy, man. That's what makes it hard about him. He I, know, plays for I, know. The I know. Lamest team now. Like, yeah, now Minnesota he plays for
0: <laughs> now he Yankees. plays the Yankees.
1: Like, I should probably <sighs> hate, you, but I don't because you're a really nice guy. <laughs>
0: he's, he seems like a like a cool dude too. Like like last year when he was chasing Freddie Freeman and he's messing around like. It's just a point where it's like you can't not like somebody like that.
1: I agree. And my agreement too. He's he's a good dude too, even though he plays for the Dodgers.
0: Yeah. Well, he shouldn't be playing for the Dodgers. His agent is kind of a snake. That's kind of fucked up. But
1: they did him so dirty, man. I'm pissed. Well, I'm pissed for him. He fired yeah, him immediately after
0: that. Yeah, that's it's so sheisty the way that that happened. Um, for those of you that don't know what happened with Freddie Freeman's agent, essentially his agent didn't tell him about the final offer that he had coming from the Braves uh, because it was better than the offer that the Dodgers made. And they knew and Freddie he was Freeman. Take it. And Freddie Freeman would have stayed in Atlanta had he known about the offer, but his agent didn't tell him about it, so he signed with the the Dodgers.
1: It, I'd it's be so, so messed pissed. up because you see him, cry, you saw him cry when he got his ring, and he was so happy to be with his old teammates. It's just like, ah, uh, I just want to. That's a guy that deserves to get kicked in the balls. That's all I'm gonna say.
0: Yeah, that's that's so bad. Yeah, yeah like Tyler said, it makes baseball look bad. It, it he, that's bad. It probably don't. wouldn't shock me. Yeah, thing. I was just gonna say, it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't get any more clients as an agent yeah. over again. That's pretty bad. I mean, maybe he can drop down to college and start doing NIL stuff, but he's not getting another professional player.
1: Man, I was going to text you the other day. You just refreshed that in my brain because so I forgot to text you. We are going to have to talk about the new landscape of the Big Ten before this. We are, and
0: I think we should save that until we find out what's going to happen with a couple other teams first.
1: Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington. There's a
0: couple Stanford.
1: That kind of –
0: Stanford
1: will definitely come over there. They feel like big 10, even though they're over they're,
0: there. Well, when you mix in their athletics and their academics, Stanford, uh-huh. yeah, Stanford does feel like a big 10 team. They're, but, they're
1: already a better version of Northwestern.
0: <laughs> cause Northwestern
1: fair. is kind of hard to get into, but they kind of suck at all the sports.
0: Yeah. Madison Damn is hard man. to get into, but they're still good at sports.
1: It's cause we're the best baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's see with, the first game. Uh, it's good to see Pedro Severino back. So he had a, a performance-enhancing drug suspension, but before, you know, if you haven't seen what happened with his suspension and you get a bad opinion of him, please don't. the 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 substance that he tested positive for was um was a um, a fertility drug because his him and his wife were trying to conceive so that was what he tested positive for was because it was elevating his testosterone because him and his wife were trying to conceive so before you're acting like he's taking steroids and stuff like that and, um it was actually just a, for fertility a totally drunk as him and his wife trying to have a baby so um don't color up that opinion of pedro severino
1: okay he wants to help populate the world man okay yeah settle he down. just wants to have
0: kids that's fun sometimes hey
1: the Wander Franco, you don't need to do that, though.
0: Yeah, you just have all your brothers, uncles, and every man in your family with the same name.
1: All the Wander Francos. it. when I was watching the game and I just told Chantelle that story, she was like, that's the guy? Oh, my God, I hate him so much. <laughs> is that his fault? Right? He didn't start the trend. His dad did.
0: Right? Um, and, yeah, he's oh, yeah, not eligible for the poll season because of it. Yeah. Um, that's just that's just how the suspensions work. I do agree he served his ban that he should get to play, but that's just one of those rules that Major League Baseball has. Um, if Severino can help the Brewers win some games, he could potentially become a, a trade bait um, for a team, you know, that's either looking to try to elevate themselves into the playoffs because they obviously can't use him in the playoffs, or just a team that just needs a catcher. Um, so Pedro Severino could potentially become a trade piece if some team is interested in him. It's not going to be a high-value trade piece, but he could be something just to consider. Uh, Caratini hit the walk-off. I mentioned it's the fifth time since 1900 for a player to strike out four times and then hit a walk-off home run. Fifth time in 122 years that that happened.
1: They play 162 games. So that's, a, that's a lot of games. That's, yeah.
0: crazy. that's 122 times 162. That, that's how many games that happen. Five times. Yeah, do 122 times 162. And let me know what that is. Um, like Jake said, we we 19, talked about Brad Boxberg.
1: 19,764.
0: I'll do that divided by five. Or no, do five divided by that number. My bad.
1: I should have hit. I hit it's 25. gonna be like point 0, zero
0: zero 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 zero.
1: It's point zero zero zero
0: two five
1: two nine nine. So like literally, like never happens.
0: That's like one. That's like well, that would be two, two one thousandths of of a potential of that happening. Jesus. Um, not that I want that to happen. I don't want a guy to strike out four times and then hit a walk-off, but I mean, like the walk-off part is cool. <laughs> At least that happened for us, right? <laughs> right. <sighs> All right, let's go, to, let's go to game two. Wait, I have one more stat for this game. Okay. Tyler will probably like this one because it does involve the Cubs as well. So this was the first time in Major League Baseball That a player hit their first career home run, that was Velasquez. A player hit an inside-the-park home run, that was Suzuki. And a walk-off home run, which was Caratini. First time that those three things all happened in the same game, ever. No way. Ever.
1: That is definitely stat of the week material right there.
0: First career home run, inside-the-park home run, and a walk-off home run. First time ever that those three things all happened in the same game. Wow.
1: I like it. I like it. (laughs) I got good stats today. Digging up some good shit,
0: buddy. <laughs> I'm the Stat Man. That's what I'm here for, man. I, I find all the cool stats. It's what I like to do. Dude, we gotta get Tyler to make you a shirt that
1: says Stat Man,
0: because you need to wear that. I would wear a Stat Man shirt, dude. Okay, so real quick sidetrack just because you brought up Tyler, um, Wisco Ball is one of the sponsors of our show now. You can actually get Wisco Fanatic stuff on their website. Um, he's gonna be in Plymouth. He didn't even tell me he's, that he was gonna be in Plymouth. He's gonna be in Plymouth this Saturday. This Saturday? This Saturday. So sure. if you want to go check out Wisco Ball, he's going to be in Plymouth at the Mill Street Festival.
1: Sick. Maybe I'll make a trip, man.
0: Do it. I'm going to go because I'm going to go and be like, I'm just going to surprise him and be like, hey, man, what's up? Hey,
1: man. Be nice to meet him face-to-face. Face. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got
0: your new job now, so you're off on Saturday, huh? I
1: baby. Yeah, dude, That's if you, you want say. to go, let me know. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll talk to Chantel when I get upstairs. Man. Yeah,
0: we can uh, meet the sponsor in person.
1: That'd be nice. Get a, get a pick for the for the blog, baby. Get a pick for, for the sure. blog.
0: <laughs> All right, let's go to let's go to game two of this uh, Brewers Cubs series.
1: Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I turned this game off after the sixth inning. Not gonna lie to you. Not gonna lie to you. I was pissed. I just went to bed. I was like, bro, I gotta get up at three forty-five in the morning, and I'm already goddamn angry. But <laughs> Ah, uh, Jason Alexander. I feel like the defense let down a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah, it seems like
0: with a, with like the wheels came off a little bit. Was after some errors.
1: Yeah, um, he always gives up hits. So when I look at his hits, like right, he gave up eight hits, but the six earned runs is really what hurts. Two walks, um, only two strikeouts. Not a high strikeout guy either. Right. But. The thing that I like about Jason Alexander is he's just a horse. You can just throw him out and be like, "Listen, we need a guy that's going to go five, six innings, going to give us, going to give our team a chance to win the game." And that's usually what he does, right? Yep. But you know, a couple errors—one from Willie, one from you And you know, like you said, the kind of the wheels just kind of fell off. Uh, Teles absolutely launched a home run in the first inning. He looked yep. like he was golfing on that play. Um, Carantini also picked up another RBI. Yeah, Brewers offense, and this is really where I started thinking what I said before. I was like, man, their legs are so dead right now. Their brains are fried. Like, you understand the laser focus that they have to have to hit a baseball? You know, and then and then all the defensive positioning. Like, there's more into baseball than people realize. Like, you think it's just throwing and hitting, oh, right? Yes. But, you know, they they pull out a card, and they look at the card, and my stepson was watching the game of me, actually. He never watches sports, by the way. He just wants to play them. Okay, that's the age he's at. But he he sees one of the outfielders look at the card. I believe it was Davis, and he's like, the music was on the card. I was like, for every hitter, they have to be in a certain spot because you know the numbers tell them that they're going to hit it at this spot because we're going to pitch them this way. So that's how players. the
0: Cubs won their World Series. That, that's yeah. how they won it. I was like, basically by there's, knowing where the guys are going to hit the ball.
1: And they almost made a really good play on Wong today. By the way, uh, wisdom. It was wisdom who almost made a really sick play on Wong because um, of their positioning. But you know. Uh, there's a lot more that goes into it, and
0: yeah, and that, not to Brewer mention they do that 162 times per year. Yeah, they're just obviously playing all 162, but it's a long season.
1: I I will almost guarantee that the Brewers will win next this series, and I'm not saying it because it's the Pirates. Like, oh, you're going on on a limb because of this off day. They're going to get a day to refresh, get their mind off baseball for a day, hang out with their family, sit at home, play a, play a series at home, and they have another off day. The Brewers, I feel like, are going to be much better after this series. Yeah, I think they'll win the series against the Pirates. They'll get another off day, and then they'll win probably I'll, – I'll say they'll win four out of six after that.
0: Four out of six on there. Two in Minnesota and win four, four out of six in, going in the breaking. We'll not.
1: By the way, I was oh. watching yeah. – um, yeah. I think uh, – they. I was watching the Cards in the Phillies the other day. It was on ESPN. And they were talking about the best teams in the NL, and they were like, oh, we have these two teams, and you can never count out the Dodgers. And one of the commentators actually mentioned the Brewers, and that was actually shocking to me. I I felt a level of respect. I was like, okay, they see us. Um, He mentioned, you know, that they need to get more contact hitters, which I agree with, just putting the ball in play. And it's almost like we know things, you know, almost like we know stuff. Uh, but just getting a couple more contact hitters, and this this team's potential would be through the roof. I'm just mm-hmm. going to say that. But we are getting national recognition. I will say the one team that I am the most worried about, they were talking about the Padres a lot, which I'm kind of like, eh, I'm not worried about yeah. the Padres. But the Mets. The Mets are going to be crazy when they get those two guys back, man. DeGrom yeah. and Scherzer. That's a great one, too. That is definitely in the discussion with – it's probably better because – Scherzer is probably better than Woody on a consistency basis, but yeah. I would call the and Burns a wash. Even, but I'm yeah. not even saying that Woody's that much worse, you know,
0: because he's right well, there he, with him. He them. finished fifth and Cy Young last year. Yeah,
1: but the the one two that we would get the first two games of that playoff series would be fucking fantastic. Yeah. Oh my god, it would be fantastic, dude.
0: And Willie, uh, you said Willie yesterday, so you made me say Willie Peralta. I know. So Freddie Peralta so should be back by then so Freddie um you know Freddy could be the third potential starter there um not sure who the Mets third starter would be if it would be I'm not sure I'm not that concerned about New York to be honest with you
1: I, I think I think New York I think the Mets are the team to worry about I really do they would probably be my favorite if the, if both those guys can get back to where they are they would probably be my team.
0: Eleven strikeouts in his first game back. I would you know what? While we're on the subject of Max Scherzer, I want to give him credit. Um when he was doing his minor league rehab start, um, he bought everybody like a really nice meal and he gave everybody in the clubhouse for like the double A team that he was on, he gave everybody AirPods. So that's just that's a respect thing. It was cool of Scherzer to do that. Um so I just want to throw that out there. I do respect him for doing that, because that's a cool thing yeah, to yeah. do.
1: I will definitely, no matter what team, even the Cubs, even though I freaking hate everything Chicago. I will always give credit when people are being good people, that we need more of that in this world, man. For Seriously. sure.
0: For sure. Um, so, tough piloting for Alexander. He couldn't really, like, get his footing after the errors. That kind of messed him up. I'm not blaming the errors on, you know, for all of Alexander's runs, but he just needs to get his confidence back. Um, he feels like the guy who was, like, really thriving on pitching well and then feel like he was building his confidence, and then he was going to just come in and give you six – Innings and you know, give up some hits, but you know, get out of jams because that's what he'd been doing. Um, I mentioned, I think it was either last week or two weeks ago, that he had a really high whip, but a really low ERA. So I use the term law of averages a lot. Those things are gonna even out eventually, so he's gonna have a game like this once in a while. But looking at his starts, he's pitched really well. you know, I'm not saying that you want it to happen, but he deserves to have a clunker and to not be crucified for it. I agree. So it shouldn't be, you know, he has this bad game and it's just, oh, send him back to AAA or trade him while he's worth something. Like, he had a bad game, move on. Uh, hopefully in his next start he gets his, um, he gets his mojo back. Uh, I will give Suzuki credit because, like, for the third time in this series or the third time in this show, Um, A really way inside pitch, he turned on it and snuck it inside the foul pole. It was encouraging to see Suter have a not-bad game. He pitched two and two-thirds, only gave up one run had four strikeouts. Um, Brewers only left six men on base, but five of them were in scoring position. Um, That's where that kind of sucks. But Rowdy Tellez did tie a franchise record of 10 consecutive extra base hits. Um, that record was from 2002. Kerry teeny has got himself a four-game hitting streak. I didn't look to see today if, if he played. But Yelich um, extended his on-base streak in this second game to 14 games straight of being on base. Um, and he stole his 150th career base in this game. So he's only one of seven active players to have 150 home runs and 150 stolen bases. Oh a boy you think you could name like three of the other ones? Spoiler alert: one of them's on his team. What? Yes. What? One of them is on his team.
1: What? <laughs>
0: Colton Can Wong, you- maybe? No, that's, that's not a bad guess. God, the other one no. stole. The other one stole his 200th career base earlier this season. God damn
1: it! I should know this now.
0: It's a lot of stolen bases. So might be an older guy. I feel
1: bad that I don't know this. I'm not oh, just, just tell him. Just tell
0: me. Just tell me. <laughs> Andrew McCutcheon.
1: I should have. Um, him. but Andrew it was McCutcheon. McCutcheon was good a long time ago. I mean, he has hey. an
0: MVP. He uh, does it's not Renfro. That's a uh, he doesn't steal bases. Even though he's got, he's got a little bit of speed, but he doesn't steal bases. It Seems like he hits dingers or strikes out. But yeah. um, Renfro is a good guess though. Um. Like Mookie Betts was one, Altuve, Mike Trout. Um, I would, I could have definitely told you Mike Trout. That guy's in every stat. Yeah, for McCutcheon. Um, There's one that I'm missing, but I'm really not that concerned about it because it's probably somebody that I don't like.
1: <laughs> All the Angels are in a little bit of a drought again, man.
0: Yeah, that's that is what it is. I'm not concerned. It's an LA team, so.
1: Well, uh, they, I mean, they could give us their two stars.
0: Correa might be the other one. Um, Oh, that's a really. I know game. Altuve is one. So, um, so let's go to today's game.
1: Uh, well, Corbin Burns was fantastic in this game. Um, seven innings pitched, ten Ks, uh, one walk. Uh, only gave up three hits. He threw a hundred pitches in seven innings, but he was fantastic. Uh, zero earned runs. Uh, the first earned run came from Boxberger. We were up one to zero. Pitched a third of an inning, two hits. Finally, gave up that run. He couldn't get out of this jam like he did on the fourth. Uh, Trevor got, ended up getting us out of that. You know, he pitched two thirds of an inning, no hits, no walks, no strikeouts. But Josh Hader, man, that's two outings in a row now where he's he's got got. You know, uh, and it, that just happens sometimes. You know, you talk yep. about the law of averages. Uh, uh, that's probably going to be our new thing for this first season. I think. Um, The law of averages, uh, Josh Hader is just – he's in a bad streak right now. He's a, hes definitely a guy I think that could use some off days. His ERA is up to
0: 163. Unacceptable.
1: Yeah, we need to fucking freak out. Um,
0: <laughs> we need to train him. His ERA is 163.
1: No, Josh Hader will be fine. Um, <laughs> just for all the people out there that are actually going to freak out, he will be fine. Um, Other than that, the Brewers offense, uh, I mean, Quiet. Kesson here – Kesson had a pretty good game. He made a really, really nice catch against yeah, the ball. He, then he, then he had a home run, Uh two-out home run, by the way. But um, other than that, man, Brewers were 0 for 6. Runners in scoring position. They left six runners on base. That's yep. stuff that you can't do. And uh, the Cubs came, and they won. You just move on.
0: Yep. So I'm looking at two, four, six. you look looking for strikeouts. I'm looking at nine strikeouts. That's – I'd really like to see the Brewers around seven per game. Honestly, I'd like to see them at less, but uh, league average is around between seven and eight. So I'd like to see them get closer to seven. Um, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to transition into this right away. Jay kind of gave the overview of the game. Um, one thing that is worth noting is that Corbin Burns is now tied with Giovanni Gallardo for most double-digit strikeout games in franchise history with 18. So the next yeah. time Corbin Burns pitches and he has double-digit strikeouts, he will be the owner of that record for the Brewers. Um, looking at hitting with runners on base, it just comes down to stringing hits together. Um, ultimately, what I'm looking at when I'm talking about stringing hits together, it actually is the same suggested improvement that I would make for why the Brewers are striking out so much is to protect the plate with two strikes is ultimately what I'm looking at for the Brewers to improve on is when you have two strikes on you, just, just put the ball in play. It doesn't even have to be in play. Just follow some, some pitches off. Um, and and just stay alive. Just wait for the pitcher to make a mistake. Don't. It seems like the Brewers are trying so hard to draw walks instead of protecting the strike zone. So that's that's where that's where my mindset's coming down on it, um, dude. I love that people are giving
1: us trivia. I got, I got right. Andrew I asked based
0: that. on the inside the park home run stat you had earlier. Who has the most inside park home runs in the Major League Baseball history? Bonus, when is the last time a player got an inside home run as their very first at bat? If you know both Ooh. of those
1: things, you're smarter than me, and I, I tip my cap.
0: <laughs> you know what? Based on, based on Jake's Jake's answer before, I'm just going to say that both of those were Mike Trout.
1: <laughs> if they're both Mike Trout, I'll freak out. <laughs> I would go with Ricky Anderson.
0: I don't think it was Michael first
1: at bat. First at bat, inside That's the park,
0: home run in their first at bat. I don't know, maybe like Ozzy Smith. He was he was a fast guy that didn't hit for power. That's tough. The seventies Cardinals.
1: Man, you have to get lucky where it has to bounce. You away. got to, yeah.
0: You got to get the bounce right. The most inside park home runs in MLB history. Andrew, you got
1: to tell us that. You can't leave us hanging, man.
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's got to still be in the comments, but. Um, One thing I will say as far as um, I referenced baseball almanac, but I didn't know offhand. First guy is a big name. Second guy isn't. So most inside the park home runs history is a big name. Big name. Bro,
1: you know how long baseball's been going on? Hmm. (laughs) Is he like a big name now?
0: (laughs) We have recent big name? Live ball era? That would be 1920 to now. That still doesn't help.
1: Whew. Is Second, it a brewer?
0: He is old school. Uh it's gotta be like Babe Ruth or Ted Williams or Lou Gehrig.
1: Tyler, Tyler might be on to some of Ricky Anderson. Oh,
0: uh, what about uh Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays? It could be Willie Mays. Willie Mays that is a good
1: it. guess. That's a great guess. Very old school. That's tough. Just give me the answer. Give me the answer. <laughs> I'm one of those guys. Like, if somebody's uh, Ty Cobb, uh, ah, sure. that is very, very old school. Randall Cobb's much
0: older brother. Yeah,
1: Please. second one. i
0: yeah, I don't know. I got nothing.
1: I'm gonna assume he played for like the, the Marlins or the Mariners because nobody pays attention to them. Ty Cobb Ty for both. Both, you said the
0: first guy was a big name, second guy isn't.
1: I mean, I know who Ty Cobb is. That'd be very tricky. (laughs) Was it when he was old and we didn't expect anything of him?
0: Um, While he's doing that, I do want to mention that it's going to be a little bit better for the Brewers when Tyron Taylor and Hunter Renfro are back healthy. So the Brewers will have that going for them. Um, The other thing I wanted to touch on was with runners in scoring position. So the Brewers are currently 23rd in batting average with runners in scoring position. This was before today's game. Uh, 23rd with runners in scoring position on average, um, 16th in on-base percentage, and 9th in slugging, and 9th in OPS. So the Brewers, like I said, to me, like I said, it just comes down to protecting the strike zone um, as opposed to looking to draw walks because that's what it feels like um, with their OPS being high it's partially because of their slugging because the Brewers hit a lot of home runs. And then the other part of it is on base percentage, but the batting average being low feels like they're just trying to draw a lot of walks. But when you have second and third and two outs, drawing a walk doesn't score you any runs. It just gives the infield another force opportunity. So to me, it seems I would suggest the Brewers attempt to protect the strike zone more than to attempt to draw walks would be my suggestion for improvement. I agree with that I agree. All right. If Johnny LaMaster in nineteen seventy-five. Well, I said Ozzie Smith, so I had the right arrow. LaMaster. Johnny LaMaster. All right. I never heard of that guy either, but that is a great name. Great name. All right. Well, let's do our power pair. Yeah. I know it's. I know we have the same guys for them, but uh, I'll let you talk, and then I will talk. Um, right, real so. quick, hold on, real quick, just because I know this is going to come up uh, because we do have, spoiler alert, Brad Boxberger as our pitcher. Um, people questioning why Brad Boxberger was pitching in the eighth. Craig Council said Devin Williams was not available today due to a heavy recent workload. So, go
1: ahead. So, that answers that, so don't ask that annoying question. All right, so we're going to start on pitchers since we're talking about Boxberger. Yep. Um, he had two innings pitched, two hits. I didn't include today's game, by the oh, way. Great. Um two walks, and three Ks. Um, for me, for him to step up in that moment on July 4th and honestly just deliver two of the most beautiful pitches I've seen this season and give the Brewers an opportunity to still win that game when the bases were loaded. That's I mean, like two
0: him, big power hitters in wisdom in and
1: app. And he dealt with Contreras. True. Um, so he, he went through the meat of that order and he, he dealt with it all. Um, but for him to honestly just be able to take that moment by the nuts and just take over and give the Brewers a chance to win that game, because obviously we lost we lost the next two, so that was a big win for us. Yep. Um, Boxberger was he he was great, so I'm, I want credit. Almost wanted to switch when I saw how great uh, Burns was today, because Burns had a really really good week in my opinion. But I went with Boxberger because he set them up to win that July Fourth game, which Definitely made my July 4th a lot better. After that inside the park, I was like, man, we need a moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, I mentioned we have the same ones. For me, I was looking at Brad Boxberger. Coming into today, his last nine appearances were all scoreless. Uh, nine consecutive scoreless appearances. Two of them happened in the last week. In those nine appearances, nine in the third innings, four hits, six walks, nine strikeouts. So he gave up one run today and ended up being losing run, but – Nine yep. consecutive scoreless appearances, and today he gave up one run. Not a reason to say that Boxberger sucks, or to bash him, or to you know cry about Devin Williams not being available. The, you know they're all human, and baseball is honest. Honestly, baseball is a sport of failure. If you can't handle and accept that, I would really suggest you watch a different sport because baseball is a sport where you can fail seventy percent of the time and be considered really good at your job. True. All right. That said, let's go to position player. Who is okay, our position so player?
1: Let's talk about Kristen Yelich, huh? Uh, Kristen yes, Yelich, let's do that. Again, these stats were taken before today's game. Uh, six, right. of to- 6 of 21, so that's 285. Uh, that's not amazing, but 285 is a good batting average. Um, He scored seven runs, had four RBIs. He had six walks. He had a triple and a home run this week, so... He's a guy, you know. I always like to give Yelich some love, uh, since it doesn't seem like he gets a lot anymore from fans. People just like to bash him because he's paid so much money, and it's like and he's not hitting
0: home runs every other game like he did for two years. Like
1: guys, he he wasn't going to stay on that streak forever. I'll I'll take a guy that has a four hundred or forty percent, whatever way you want to look at it, four hundred on base percentage. He's getting mm-hmm. on base. He's, he's he's causing havoc, and he's really? doing his job as a leadoff hitter. He's stealing bases.
0: Go ahead. That's Keep you, going.
1: That's all you can ask for. No, I'm done. That's all you can ask for. Um,
0: right now, this Christian Yelich is the Christian Yelich the Brewers traded for. Yep. This is like Miami Marlins Christian Yelich, where he, he didn't have a ton of power. He still has some power. Um, he's up to, I think, nine, nine home runs on the season eight, nine, uh, something like that. Eight, eight. So, you know, he's going to hit, I don't know, probably 15, 20 home runs this year, and he's going to steal a ton of bases. He's 13 for 13 on stolen base attempts, so he's stealing a bunch of bases, and as a leadoff hitter, his slashing 304, for his batting average, 408 for his on-base percentage, 431 for his slugging, and 839 for his OPS. So he is he, he's doing much much better in the leadoff position. So while he, you know, you might look at him and be like, "Oh, he's averaging 251 this year," but if you look at just where he's been for the last like month, he's doing really well. He's really thriving in that leadoff spot. As, yeah, he's been really good. Um, so Yelich is really he's vulnerable to curveballs and cutters. You can look at baseball savant and it'll tell you what like what percentage of pitches they see the most of, and which ones they um, like, which ones they're hot and coldest against. Um, Yelich, his strike zone looks pretty good. He's not chasing a ton of pitches. Um, He's swinging at pitches inside the zone, which are good, but um, it just seems like um, curveballs and cutters are what he's seeming to struggle with. Um, His chase percentage, so his swinging at percentage of pitches outside the zone, is actually lower than it was in 2018 and 2019. Um, Ultimately, with Christian Yelich, it just seems to me that he just needs to swing the bat more often. Yeah. He's he's choosing good pitches to swing at. He just needs to swing the bat more often. Um, is ultimately what it comes down to with him. Um, he did get a hit today, so his on-base streak is now at 15 games, so he's got that going. Obviously, he's one for four, and that's a two fifty average. But that being said, he has been on base 15 games in a row, which is something you'd like to see from your leadoff hitter, is that he's getting on base a ton. So I agree. All there right, so – Looking at what's next for the Brewers, like we've been saying a handful of times already, they have the off day tomorrow. Then they have another three-game series with the Pirates. Then they are off on Monday. They leave for two games in Minnesota, and that brings us to next Wednesday. Uh, but after that, they are going to San Francisco for a four-game series with the Giants. It was originally supposed to be a three-game series, but that's where the other makeup game from the earlier series cancels coming in. So they're playing four games in San Francisco after two in Minnesota. So um, it's going to be Ashby, Woodruff, and Lower Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then it'll be probably Alexander and Burns uh, next Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, So that's where we're at with the Brewers. Um, Listen, when it comes to any of the sports teams, don't ride too high. Don't ride too low. Give yourself more perspective, whether it be for free agency or a frustrating game. Don't cheer for injuries and try to have a more positive and optimistic outlook towards your teams and see if it trickles down to your life. That's what we want to encourage you to do.
1: And uh, I tell you this, go buy stuff from WiscoBall.com. Please and thank you. It would be really awesome if it was a Wisco Fanatic shirt. All, right, All
0: love, go Brewers. Right. And thanks for everybody that tuned in on Friday night to our Packers show. That was really awesome. That went really well. Um, oh, yeah. Everybody that said stuff about it all said really good things, so we really appreciate that as well. Uh, we will be doing another Packer show soon, um, and then we're going to do them every Friday night during the season. So that was a, a really good show. So we want to thank Simon and Brian for joining us for that. And um, thank you for everybody who watched and commented on that because that went really well.
1: Yes, I'm so excited for football. We're getting there, baby. We're getting there. Have a good night. All right,
0: Summer League basketball on Friday. Later, so We got that, too.